Hello and welcome back to The Spoken Misc, the conversation podcast about anything and everything, but mostly reconnecting with people. This is episode 44, and I'm here talking with my friend Michael, Lay specifically. Skip ahead to get lost in the conversation. But if you're curious, we talk about Michael going to school in Ohio, The Walking Dead, altruism and ego, racism, getting old, cringy memories, sports, and lots of miscellaneous things in between. Welcome to the show, Michael. How are you? Good, man. Doing pretty well here. How are you? I am honestly tired. I'm really, uh, I took a nap earlier today and it kind of fucked me up for the rest of the day. You know, like when you wake up from a nap and you're kind of lost, like what fucking day is it? That's what I felt like for the entire day. It was, uh, <laughs> it was okay. It was, uh, it was a slog to get through, but you know, I think I managed to rally right before this. So I'm chilling. Good, good. Dude, I've definitely had naps like that where like you just wake up and it's like, who am I? Where am I? <laughs> How did I get here? Yeah, this what is, is what mom is, and dad's place. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, before we get into our questions, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself for people who might not know you. Alrighty. Yeah. Well, uh, my name's Michael Lay. I am currently a clinical research coordinator at the University of California, San Francisco. I live in Pacifica at the moment, um, and I am in the process of applying to medical schools. And uh, let's see, I'll also be starting a master's pretty soon too. So that's going to be a busy, busy year ahead for me, but that's all what I do. So like I'm a research coordinator. I'm on that pre-med track slash struggle. Nice. Great for you, man. That's really awesome. Um, since we're already kind of talking about, you know, your career and everything, um, a little bit of a preface, uh, me and Michael were friends in high school, um, like many of the other people that have come onto the show. Um, so my first question to you, Michael, is going to be, what was it like going to a school in a different state? Yeah, so um, <laughs> it was it was pretty wild, man. I mean, like one part of the reason why I went out of California was because I felt like it was kind of, it was like a bubble. You know, I, I felt like everything and everyone that I knew only knew everything and every and everything and everyone. Uh, granted, we did come from a small town and that could have changed if I moved to like a bigger city like San Francisco or like San Diego or whatever. But anyway, I just wanted to have a different experience entirely. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, went to, uh, went to Case Western Reserve in Cleveland, Ohio. Not a whole lot of people know about it, but the reason why I went was because um, it's a top 20 medical school um, pretty consistently. And I've had this dream of becoming a doctor for the longest time. And so I thought, well, it's out of state. It's a really prestigious school. Um, if I go there, I'll have a better chance of getting into med school eventually. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a bad that's call at all. Yeah, that's totally understandable. Um, but how do you think that that has shaped you? Like, what do you think you carried with you from here over there? And now that you're back in California, what do you think you took from there back here? Well, something I, I'm glad I didn't take from there was the weather. Um, <laughs> bro, the, the Midwest, oh my God, it, get, it got so cold. And that's one of the reasons why I love <laughs> being back here. Uh, after like four years of experiencing sub like negative 20, <laughs> not even sub zero temperatures. It was like negative 20 with wind chill, like negative 25. It was awful, man. I hated that so much. But um uh, it came just in time break. for everything to be set on fire due to climate change. So exactly you made it, you made right, a great yeah, choice. Like... <laughs> going from negative twenty to literally a hundred and odd something, it's gonna get even harder. You yeah, picked the perfect dude. time. <laughs> yeah, man, and I'll tell you what, I prefer that. I I, I prefer burning in the hellfire of California than uh, freezing in the like 
<laughs> freezing in the cold in uh in Cleveland. But um yeah, I don't know. Uh so thinking about your questions some more. Going out of state, going to case in particular really changed me a lot. I feel like um just being having my mind like broadened by just the large like the huge scope of people I interacted with. I've met people from all over the world, um, China, Europe, Africa, South America, all over. And it was really cool experiencing all these different cultures within my different friend groups. Um, and one thing that I went into college with was an overinflated ego. <laughs> you knew me <laughs> in high school a lot. And like some people who might be listening to this um, might also have known me in high school. And I was a dick. I, I was, <laughs> I was so freaking cocky, man. Like, I don't know if you remember this, but there was this one girl who like, I remember um, she posted on my, on my timeline, my Facebook timeline going like, all right, Michael, I know, uh, you know, it's not cool to like laugh at people who struggle with academics or like whatever. And um, there was this long, like page long post about. Like, I don't how, remember that. What the hell? When did this happen? Uh, this was like was junior year when like I was taking five AP classes. She was taking two and I was like, she was complaining about it. And I, I told her like, you shouldn't complain about it. This, ain't, this, is, no, this is nothing. And she goes like, well, not everyone can be perfect like you, Michael, et cetera. <laughs> well, that is true. No one can be perfect like you, Michael. No one can go to a... Uh, no, uh, upon going to case, I realized that I am far from perfect. Seriously, <laughs> like um, my like test averages, you know, like I was consistently behind the bar, like the bell curve. Everyone at case was at least 10% smarter than me. Dang. And I think you're, I think you're like vastly like, I think you're super intelligent, like just on my own to know that those people are 10% more than you fucking terrifies me. It's like the average, man. I'm below average. <laughs> like, uh, and yeah, so going to college really humbled me, man. Like, well, that's uh, good. I, I realized that academics <laughs> Nothing wrong with humility. my strong point. Was that? Nothing wrong with humility. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, it's all good. But yeah, I realized academics were my strong point. So it kind of forced me to like, you know, um, build upon my strengths, which I guess like, you know, which, uh, which were, well, I, I had to find things that would set me apart. I like joined a fraternity. I, um, I did a crap ton of extracurriculars. It was, it was all fun. But awesome. Yeah. What did you, what, what exactly did you go to study for? Let's give some people some context and myself a little bit more because we haven't talked in a while. Yeah. I have a lot of like questions like what are you doing right now exactly as a clinical researcher uh uh i totally fucking bungled that but whatever um no, so right. got, what yeah. exactly are you doing and uh what did you go to study basically okay yeah so um i i i went into a case as a um and uh biomedical engineering pre-med which um if you go to case you realize that biomedical engineers like it's hard AF, it's competitive as hell. And I was one of those many that dropped out of it. <laughs> like why is it, why is it, uh, like, why is it like that? extra, why is it super competitive? Like what makes it, what about that specifically? Lots of weed out courses. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, that, that's just the gist of it. But anyway, I went in as BME pre-med um, and then switched to computer engineering pre-med. Uh, Cause my dad was like, hey son, you know, let, let's be real. You kind of stuck at standardized test taking. Like, shut up, Dad. I got 97 percentile SAT. But anyway, it's like, let's face it. You suck at standardized test taking, son. Because 97 um, is, is sucking at a standardized testing. Apparently, man. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so he's like, 
Yeah, try computer engineering because if you can program, you can get a job beyond uh, after college. It'll be easy for you if you don't make it as a doctor. I'm like, well, thanks, Dad. Anyway, I took uh, I took Java. That didn't turn out so well, and I was like, I hate this. <laughs> My dad was like, okay, son, uh, just do something you enjoy. And so that's what led me to, um, well, that's what led me to my um, majors. I graduated with two, cognitive science and psychology. My grandmother at the time was suffering from um, Alzheimer's. Um, and I wanted to learn more about that in my studies in college. And, um, and we didn't have neuroscience at my school. So I chose the next closest thing, which was cognitive science. And psychology was like two more courses. So I just dueled. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and with that um, partially led me here because now I do uh, clinical um, clinical research, um, and a lot of it has to do with the brain. Like my um, my boss is a um, PhD in neuroscience, mm -hmm. and so it's kind of fun when I explain to people what I do. Like uh, like oh yeah, I'm a I'm a neuroscientist, or like you know it sounds mm -hmm. pretty neat. But yeah, so I work with um, a lot of folks with neurodegenerative disorders, like my grandma. You know, people with AD, Parkinson's, etc. And um, we focus on sleep. I run a, um, I run the remote lab from my closet over there. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You get to work from home and also study the human mind. That sounds pretty amazing to me. I, I don't mean to humble brag, but I have a minor in psychology currently. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm super <clears throat> not well-versed at all in what you're doing, but I definitely understand the intricacies of what you're dealing with. Um, do you ever find it like, because you have, because you, chose something so personal to you, do you feel like that drove you a little bit harder to pursue like the major? Like, is that, is that like, is your grandma your primary reason why you like pursued it so heavily once you figured out what you wanted to do? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I remember thinking like, um, like even if I didn't make it as a doctor, I wanted to do, I wanted to go into research and I wanted to discover more about, um, I want to learn more about Alzheimer's and do everything I can to, um, to help people with it. And so I feel like I really, that definitely drove me um, as far as where my career, <laughs> how my career progression has been. Um, it's been that inspiration that like, you know, it was that like, that, oh, that flame inside of me, you know, that mm -hmm. like, that yeah where like in the interest became uh, in the the brain like eventually became a passion and now i do exactly what i wanted to do and hopefully in the future i'll become a neurologist and i'll be like a step up <laughs> for what i currently do that'd be awesome but yeah i'm rooting for you um there is one thing i want to ask you you don't have to answer this um <clears throat> because you said that your father didn't really like it seemed like he didn't kind of support you in like changing stuff, or at least that's kind of like what it seemed like to me. And I'm like, I'm not trying to like bash your father or anything like that, but was there like any kind of friction with, you know, you discovering what you wanted to act what you felt comfortable pursuing, I guess. Cause you know, you can want something all you want and then figure out that it's not, it's not going to work out. And then vice versa, you're working on something and it's working out really well, but you're thinking about what you want to do. So like, was that like a source of like conflict within your family or something? not really not at all um so um i've wanted to become a doctor ever since i was eight years old and um my dad w just was thinking about like a plan b you know and it made sense to me at the time too it's not like i didn't want to like uh, you know it's like if that happened where i effed up the mcat and um i uh, and i had like some useless major i wouldn't want that for myself too so it, it really made sense why my dad was telling me to do that 
my dad is completely supportive of my path to becoming a doctor eventually. And, you know, I'm Asian, man. So like, <laughs> <laughs> so he's always, he's always been supportive. But uh, when that happened, uh, I, I, I agreed. I was like, okay, yeah, computer science, uh, uh, programming, you know, it's like learning a language. How hard can that be? I know three. And then it's it turns freaking out, hard, man. Yeah, it's freaking hard. It's, hard. <laughs> oh, it's I awful. One, I took one free coding class, and I think after the first lesson, I was like, "Yeah, I I don't know if I can do this." Which is kind of, <laughs> you know, I'm not Java? I'm not that kind of. I don't I don't. I think it was just C, like a basic like C plus plus thing. Okay. And I just like, literally the first lesson, I was like, "Yeah, I I can't. I'm not I'm not about this. I'm sorry." But. At the same time, it was also like a free like online course. So maybe that had something to do with it. It wasn't from like anything significant. It was just like, hey, do this. And I was like, all right, why not? Um, <laughs> but um, I'm going to pass off the questions to you uh, because I realized I didn't even give you the option if you wanted to start off with a question first or if you wanted me to read one. I just, well, I was so curious to ask. Yeah, no, it's been a while, man. So I completely understand. Um yeah, let me, let me see. I'll start with, well, okay, so I'll ask you like essentially the reverse of what you've been asking me. So um, I, I guess we'll start with what do you do? Like, cause I, I haven't talked to you in like, you know, in half a decade, right? So what do you do yeah. now? And um, and the follow-up question to that would be uh, who in your field do you personally look up to? All right, well, uh, currently I do freelance uh, film production work. Um, I do so yeah, yeah I, I uh, work on commercial sets here in the Bay Area. I work on feature sets whenever I can. Um, it's kind of just like, you know, helping getting like film shoots done, basically, essentially. Um, I didn't like specialize in uh, like the camera department or anything or like um, the lighting department. I, I specifically wanted to do more like logistical, uh, like production management stuff. But uh you know, I like after, uh, you know, the pandemic, uh, kind of everything kind of goes out of under the water. Um, so I've just been, you know, managing to find work and work in that, you know, still work within the, the film industry and work within, you know, what I studied because it's, it's super hard. I know people who have like completely dropped out and like completely changed career courses and stuff like that and had to like, you know, completely shift. Like my, my girlfriend had to do that, unfortunately. Um, and it's just the nature of, you know, it's, it's pretty, not that it's competitive or anything, but the group that's within the Bay area is kind of small, kind of tight knit. And if, you know, like if you're not getting a job, that means someone else that, you know, is getting that job. And mm -hmm. it's not like it's a bad thing. It's just more like, yay, that's, it's not me. Gr gr great. Like I know people who worked on like blind spotting, like the stars TV show that's coming out. And I'm like, fuck, that would have been so cool to work on it. Cause I know people that worked on it. So I could yeah. have worked on it, but I just wasn't given that call and stuff like that. But I did get to work on something really cool, like right before the pandemic hit. And, you know, that I coasted on that high for like a good while. Um, but, you know, the goal has always been to be, you know, move in from film production, you know, just as an assistant to hopefully coordinating and managing. Um, and then eventually doing my own thing, like creating my own stuff. Uh, through those skills that I've gathered. Yeah. Um, and the person I look up to the most in my field, I think right now would be Kevin Feige, um, the executive producer on every single Marvel show, on every single Marvel movie, because the, oh, just the skills that he has at coordinating everything 
in that universe. It's mind-bogglingly, mind-bogglingly impressive. It is one of the most amazing feats of just, I wouldn't even say just like in cinema-wise. Uh, it's like legitimately like, like how do you how do you run a universe essentially? That is something that is like I love doing because I love building worlds, I love writing, I love creating things, and to see him do it on a literal the most massive scale possible. He has a bunch of movies under his under his umbrella. All of them have broken box office records. All of them have wonderful stories. All of them have wonderful characters. All of them have great messages for kids. They're all fun, and you know it's massively impressive because when you look at like a, the DC universe. And see how that's being run, and it's, you know, piss poor. It's 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 fucking trash. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. The DC universe <laughs> is fucking trash, especially when you look at like how much Kevin Feige has like maneuvered his uh, all of his movies into it like into a single arc, basically, which ended with Thanos coming to uh, annihilate half the universe. Like that took so much effort and so much work and so many deals that. I can't help but be like awed by the guy. Like I don't like to look up to people. I, I like not like look up to people. I don't like to idolize people, but Kevin yeah. Feige is probably the closest person that I could because he got Spider-Man back in the MCU. He literally twisted Sony's arm. and was like, you know that we've made more money off of him in our movies than you did within his own movies. Right. How about you just, you know, suck it up and just join the MCU for a little bit. And then Sony was like, fuck i guess i will <laughs> like that that takes some fucking skill and then he brought uh james gunn back after he had his entire like you know fiasco on twitter where they oh found my God. tweets yeah. of his and i'm like one he's not that person anymore like why are you bringing up old shit like it doesn't matter and then two like he himself went to bat towards like disney's executives to bring him back and he brought him back and it it's gonna turn out for the better because he's gonna come back and make a great movie because he took because james gunn specifically took you know, D-level characters from Guardians of the Galaxy and then made them A-list. Like, that's how impressive James Gunn was. And the fact that, like, Disney didn't even care to think about that. They literally, okay, that bugs me because they changed fucking Tower of Terror at Disneyland to Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> and they still had the fucking audacity to fire James Gunn. Like, do you not understand how much of his work went into that to make that, like, a reality? I don't know. But Kevin Feige went to bat for him and, you know, that shows me that he trust his creators and that he trusts their vision to work within his vision for the overarching universe. And the best example of this that I can say is probably black Panther, because one of the things that I noticed about black Panther upon a rewatch this year was that like they, he let it be black led. He let it be run by, you know, black creators. And it's very obvious from the script writing, from the direction, from the cinematography, everything was led by the people that would most resonate with this story. And all they had to do was basically like, you know, just keep within the universe, introduce some stuff, we'll give you some things for the rest of the universe, and then, you know, you tell your story. And it was a fucking awesome story up until, like, I think Infinity War and Endgame. It was the high, one of the highest grossing Marvel movies ever, and just in general, highest grossing movies ever. So the fact that he not only understands his universe and not only supports the creators within his own universe to, to tell a story the way that they want to tell it, like, it just the amount of juggling that that man does to make these things exist, to make them exist in the best possible way. It's fucking impressive. It is so fucking awesome. And I mean, awesome in like inspiring awe, not like an, Oh, that's cool. But like a legitimately it inspires awe because every time I think about it, like 
fuck like imagine if he did not exist the mcu literally might not exist right that is how integral this man is and i'm not gonna also like uh downplay like the other executives roles but you know being the figurehead of that is also you know something to carry on too so he's really good at doing that he when he uh when they have like announcements at uh d23 i think or whatever that you know press conference is for disney when they announce new stuff like he he understands what the fans want he understands what people want he's already introduced you know fantastic four is coming and the x-men will come eventually and stuff like that and all the things that he's doing are so just on point it just it works it he works at such a high level that i would love to just shadow him just for a day just to see mm. how his mind works like, like that's a day in the life yeah yeah that's the person i would look up to most and of course there's like uh directors and other writers and stuff you know there's the old film student uh, stereotype, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Um, and I appreciate Denis Villeneuve a whole lot, especially after um, Arrival and Blade Runner 2049. Like he, his style is kind of definitely the style that I would love to emulate the most because he takes his moments and he really explores the world through the cinematography and the production design of the place and just lets his characters live in it. And I absolutely adore that. I fucking love that. It's like the perfect blend of collaboration because I know that he probably is nitpicky about, you know, the way, the way his characters are and the way that his uh, characters say things, but then he trusts his collaborators to just bring their a game for the rest of the stuff that he doesn't necessarily have to put 100% focus on. Like when, like there's so many good shots in Blade Runner 2049. Like they are seared into my memory. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I have not, no. You, you should probably watch it because it is one of those movies that legitimately not changed my life, but like made me reevaluate the kind of way I told stories and the kind of way I valued stories because the world isn't, you know, like in it's in your face because you're seeing it, but it's all filled with detail that you have to appreciate upon rewatching. Um, like you can get caught, caught up in the story of, you know, this replicant who's going to have to go kill someone, but the rest of the world around it, it's just, it's just, it's just as fascinating as the main plot of the entire thing. Um, definitely recommend it. Definitely highly recommend it. But yeah, those are the people that I look up to, um, who the fuck knows if I'll ever get to their level, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> it is always a goal and aspiration. Um, thinking about like universe creating and stuff like that, um, that leads me to a, that uh, that led me to another question that I was going to ask you, which is um, remember back in uh, high school when we, we you know we all went through this like phase of like loving zombies and everything and like loving the idea of a zombie apocalypse happening. You know we played Call of Duty zombies and we got to level like forty, sixty, etc. It was mm -hmm. so much fun, right? Yeah. And I remember uh, you were working on a zombie apocalypse book back then, and Oh, right. Yeah. And I was just wondering, so my question uh, regarding all the zombie stuff is like, was there ever a time during that phase um, where you, you know, we're all like obsessed with zombies, where you actually wished a zombie apocalypse would happen? I did constantly. I always wished a zombie <laughs> apocalypse would happen from the get go. Ever, really? I think ever since like The Walking Dead started becoming kind of like since the first season of The Walking Dead, I was like, I would really love a zombie apocalypse right now. Why? I, <laughs> this is this is the most. I, I was super edgy back then, dude. I was fucked. <laughs> I was fucked up in the head. Like, you know, that was back when I couldn't manage my 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 depression, my issues, my anxiety, etc. Like, I couldn't deal with it. 
And so the way that I externalized it was by playing video games or not externalized, how I worked through it was by playing repetitive video games, which was, you know, zombies, Left 4 Dead, stuff like that, just, you know, mindlessly slaughtering people. It's not a good thing um, necessarily, but I'd always kind of like hoped that there was like a zombie podcast because I studied the apocalypse enough and I would be a survivor (laughs) and I would be the one to make it out and I wouldn't be the one that get bitten because I wouldn't, I wouldn't let that happen. If I got bitten, I'd chop off my arm, I'd chop off my leg and I'd survive. <clears throat> I tough it out. Yeah. I do it. And I had like this like need to hang on to that because I need to convince myself that I could survive because in real life I felt like I was always battling myself essentially. And so I latched onto it. Like I am a survivor. I can survive it. I can survive a zombie apocalypse. And I was like, you can if you can survive a zombie apocalypse, you can survive your issues. And so I would hang on to that for a lot. And <clears throat> genuinely, I also think it would be one of the most interesting apocalypses for humanity too because of all the things that could end the world a zombie apocalypse would be the most interesting because it would be like (laughs) this is terrible because it'd be like COVID 19 it would spread to a bunch of cities and you'd see how cities would rise or fall and you get to see how people survived or fell and you know you could see like the enemy personified you could see it happening and you'd be able to you know counteract it however you could but obviously human hubris and stupidity will ruin all of that but like nuclear war is like instant death. It's like, that's it. GG. No re like we're fucking, we're <laughs> fucked. That's it. It's over. Give it up. Everybody let's sing, grab hands and sing kumbaya. Cause it's all over. And like world war three is like the same situation. Like all these things are like humanity's fucked. Like you will, they, it's gone. Like humanity's gone. But with a zombie, uh, apocalypse, knows, you know, like fallout, like fallout might happen. Like, uh, like, that's fallout, true. like the, the game series. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fallout could happen. That's a good point. But like in my mind, like I was always kind of like, on like the, the glass half empty kind of side. So it's like if a nuclear apocalypse happened, like that's it. Bye bye humanity. But with a zombie apocalypse, there's a chance because you could just build a big wall and keep all the zombies out and then just wait it out. And then like, you know, like the zombies will eventually fade away or die or decay or whatever. And, you know, humanity will rise from the ashes after that, uh, situ- that pandemic, that situation. And then, you know, it gets to carry on for a little bit longer. <laughs> I was like, oh, I always kind of like liked that idea—the ability that people could make it through an apocalypse. And that's yeah. actually carried a lot into the other stuff that I've been writing. It's now it's dealing more with like climate change and you know dealing with the social upheaval from that. But mm-hmm. it's all kind of based in the same situation of like people surviving something horrible, something apocalyptic, and then still making it through and you know continuing society. And I, I. I, that's something that I always loved about The Walking Dead and I loved about zombie zombie media in general. The ability to survive something apocalyptic like that through like uniting with other people that you might not have agreed with or something like that and just figuring out how best to make the world back to where it was kind of. And I like that. I like that aspect of... Like I just like that kind of apocalyptic scenario, like just re- the rebuilding after things collapse. And it's just a, it's just a fascinating subject to me. I never got around to finishing that zombie book, by the way. I, I like dropped oh. the idea like inst- like instantly after I got out of my zombie phase. I like was like, huh, zombies are okay. Wow. Right, neat. And then what I just like happen? dude, like I don't know. Like I it was one of those ideas that like became that was just fully an idea. This is the problem with like having too many ideas. Like I love mm. zombies and I love the idea of having like a zombie story. I still remember the premise too. Like it was about this guy who got bitten, so he was immune, so he could like like walk through zombies and like he wouldn't get bit because he was already immune 
-hmm. but like everyone who wasn't immune would get you know attacked and immediately devoured but this one guy was immune so there was like kind of like a laugh uh, last of a situation where he was eventually either going to be studied and killed or killed and studied or you know just live his life like a normal person with all this stuff and pass on that you know that genetic trait um but you know i kind of just like whatever i I didn't really feel for it too much i figured out that like you know even though it's a cool idea it doesn't necessarily present too much of a story compared to the other things that i wanted to do or wanted to write about Mm -hmm. and so i focused on the other things um once i could and then you know i prefer them to be honest not that i hate zombies i'd love to like make a zombie movie or something but i definitely prefer the other ideas that i worked on okay yeah and i feel like this is part of like the maturation process you know yeah exactly like i didn't need to rely on zombies as much anymore for my own comfort for my own like relaxation essentially for my own entertainment it just kind of became like a vestigial limb you know like it's there like i still love zombies i still play zombies like i play outbreak on uh uh, cold war like all the time i play with uh uh, chris i play with my buddy nico we play as often as we can because zombies is still fun it's still a fun game like things with zombies (laughs) in it are still great i still buy like the video games i still watch the movies i haven't watched army of the dead on netflix though but you know it's not as like I'm not as much as a fan on it anymore. And I think I know why. And mm. it is because of The Walking Dead season five slash six. Is that what when, killed it for you? <laughs> that is legitimately. I think now that I'm thinking about it, I think that's legitimately when I, when I fucking stopped caring about zombies because primer people. The Walking Dead season five or six premiere. It's when they introduce uh, Negan and he's going around. He's going to like smash someone's head with a baseball bat. And he kills Abraham. I read the comics of The Walking Dead, and I know that Negan kills Glenn. Spoilers, if you haven't seen it, tough shit. It's been out for years. Um, <laughs> yeah. He kills he kills Glenn in the in the comic books. He he bashes Glenn's head in, in front of everybody, and it like severely fucks up every everybody. And like Negan's low-key kind of like one of those like racists who isn't racist, or like he claims he isn't racist because he's like, oh, now everyone's gonna hate me because I like killed the Asian guy. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how I see you, you douchebag. You killed the one of the best characters of all time ever. And in the show, what they do to make Negan more badass or more powerful or scarier than his comic book counterpart, he kills another character, Abraham, first. He kills him and you know murders him in front of everybody. And then he's like, but we can't just get away with one person. And then they just show Negan smashing the camera, essentially. You don't know who he killed. You don't know who was murdered and in my head i'm like thinking they're gonna fucking kill glenn because it's fucking obvious because they still want to do the same premise of the comic books they just want it to be a little bit flashier and because everyone else that doesn't read the comic books is a fucking moron i'm not kidding i'm kidding not everyone who doesn't do that is a fucking moron (laughs) there are a lot of people who are like you don't know who happened you don't know what happened you don't know who got killed you don't know what's gonna happen i'm like i have a pretty fucking good guess that they're still gonna kill glenn (laughs) and so Lo and behold, on the season six premiere, they show Negan bashing Glenn's head in. And I was like, I fucking knew it. Guess who was fucking right? The guy who called it that they were just doing this for some fucking stupid brownie points of excitement. And the thing that was terrible is that they had like the talking dead afterwards. And the producer was such an asshole about what he did because like it was a fake out. It was a, Ooh, come watch next season's premiere. Instead of just, you know, telling us that Glenn was dead. Instead of just telling us that this character was going to be gone from the show, from the, from the finale. And just instead of starting one new with, you know, the situation as it stands, then 
killing off the character for you know season premiere points and then you know fucking over not only their characters but like the storytelling a lot and i got so pissed i spoiled it for everybody on facebook because i was an asshole <laughs> i was like negan negan kills glenn i was like that's congratulations just like the comic books and people got so pissed at me for doing that and i don't blame them <laughs> i don't blame them at all but i don't respect producers that do stupid shit like that because the walking dead used to be really well written and this is the same situation with game of thrones is mm -hmm. that when you cater too much to the trivial audience to the audience that's like "Ooh, i only want spectacle i only want cool action things i only want you know ridiculous stupid tv tropes essentially like it ruins the integrity of your story and that was me noticing that those producers didn't give a fuck about their story they cared about their ratings mm -hmm. and to me fuck you that's to me that I, I think fuck you because vince gilligan who is also on an amc show like he didn't lose his integrity he didn't lose the side of his story and he kept his ratings up like it's possible walking dead could have done it but they didn't because of a few producers and i fucking hated him i can't remember his name thankfully but like it pissed me off to no end because even back then I knew that if I had the chance to be like a producer on the show, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have disrespected the audience like that. I would have given them, you know, the closure that they deserved and then started, you know, the next season with like, now do you want to see the world how it is now? Cool. But they were like, let's think about our ratings. And so I gave up, I abandoned them. I was like, fuck this. And then I think uh -huh. after that, I legitimately just gave up on zombies and, and zombies, I was just like, yeah. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with it. Um, but to get on the Game of Thrones, same situation happened. Producers getting overzealous, caring too much about like the spectacle and not about the integrity of the story. And now it, eh, I don't want to rewatch it. And I'm sure a lot of people don't care for rewatching yeah. it because we know the ending's kind of shit. But yeah, so that's why I stopped liking zombies, if you wanted to know. <laughs> um, but let's switch over to that. Let's switch uh -huh. to something else. What am I going to ask? What am I going to ask? Do, 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 do. Oh, I probably could have asked this like before when we were talking about your career and stuff. But do you think that you got to where you are in life out of altruism or ego? Uh, you know, I think it was like a healthy mix of both. <laughs> I think I began with ego. Like, um, yeah, I'm just going to say like my like my professional, et cetera, life really started right after high school. Right. So I, I went to Cleveland because or I went out of state for college because partially out of ego. I was like, you know what? I want to go to this prestigious school outside of the state, blah, 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 because um, I just um, fuck this because... podunk town. Fuck this racist ass place, et cetera. Exactly, dude. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and I wanted to be a doctor. I still want to be a doctor. So, well, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, I, I went to case out of ego. Um, I with some of my, um, other experiences that have led me to UCSF, UCSF also like, um, for some that may not know, it's like, I think of it as like a, a big prestigious research slash medical place. You know, it's like number two in the, in the country in terms of research and, um, primary care, but anywho. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, like I applied to UCSF out of ego, but a lot of things like, but I would say that there was a lot of altruism that helped me out on my way to, on this path to medical school, on the path to uh, UCSF. Uh, for instance, I, after I was humbled, <laughs> and <laughs> while I was being humbled at Case Western, um, I did a lot of extracurriculars. I um, gave a lot to my community. My fraternity brothers and I founded a, um, 
a boys and girls club, um, which is essentially just like an uh, after school sort of um, like place. It's like a YMCA kind of. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really fun. So we founded like a boys and girls club, and so what we um, uh, in Cleveland, and we um, you know we uh, coached all the the young uh, young boys and girls. We helped, we tutored them, we played basketball and football with them. It was a whole lot of fun. Um, so I did a lot of like altruistic things. I, I, um, so you have that. to justify being a good person. I think you're a good person, Michael. I'm just like, this is just more of like a philosophical <laughs> question. You don't got to defend yourself here. Like, I, I think you're a fine person. Don't worry. Yeah. So I, I did that. I did, um, I did Relay for Life, um, which is cancer fundraising. I did, um, I was the director of the community health outreach, outreach project at, um, Cal State East Bay, which is my um, post back program, which I came back here for after college. Anyway, so all these things, all these extracurriculars that I I did, and at the expense of my grades, really, I felt like all these things really helped build a sort of um, med school resume slash like a regular resume that helped me <laughs> and shaped you out as a person as well. Exactly. Yeah, and it all led me here. That's where That's I'm awesome. at. Yeah, I'm glad you went through that. Not the humbling process, because that was probably like very shocking. But... I am glad I went through that, actually. <laughs> no, because then I'd be like a dick doctor who like never like who, who turns his nose up at people who's like, you didn't go to the most prestigious school ever. Exactly. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> I'm afraid of what I would have become had <laughs> a case been easy for me. You know, I, I, had I, I even gone to a state school like um, where I feel like I could have, you know, likewise excelled like just like in public school at um at Spreta. but yeah you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be real a low-key part of me always kind of felt like like you were only doing it purely out of ego like that's kind of a bit why i asked the question um because i very remember like you were super driven uh back in high school like you I was you a were, dick <laughs> you were also i'm not gonna deny that kind of a dick but not very much to me because we were friends like i i know there was probably like some like hints at like because i wasn't in like uh like calculus and stuff with you guys like i didn't really care for you know the high level math and a lot of the other ap stuff but like i don't necessarily think that ego is a bad thing either like doing things for yourself is the fucking point you know <laughs> like like i'm doing what i do out of ego essentially like i want to like fucking do this because i want to do this like, i don't want to do anything else and i it took a while to realize that i couldn't really necessarily do something else super altruistically like uh like i went to school for psychology like i went to san jose state um to study psychology to get a bachelor's in uh, science and psychology but then you know as academia happened i realized that like i'm not as altruistic as i thought i was like i couldn't <laughs> do this for myself when i had my own things to work on and my own things to deal with so i kind of like you know changed my path and i realized that like i want something for myself that is more tuned to who i feel i am and it took a lot of like realization for that to happen. But, you know, at the same time, I feel like I'm a better, happier, more adjusted person because I genuinely do not know who the hell I would be had I continued fucking myself over like that, you know? Yeah. Like I, I like, even though, even it was to do something altruistic to help people that were like me, like it doesn't negate the impact that that would have had on me as a person either. Mm -hmm. So just wanted to reassure you it's okay, it's okay to do things for yourself <laughs> <laughs> i really like that question I, I i do i do too i was like i feel like i could ask a lot of other people just about that in general but now here's the other thing that i was thinking about when i was asking this question do you think your parents pushed you out of altruism or their ego 
Absolutely. There you go. No, no, 100%. <laughs> like, <laughs> my parents want me to, uh, well, actually, uh, well, they, it's, it's hard. I mean, like, it's hard to uh, explain such answer, really. I mean, Asian parents, you know, they want the best out of their children, but also mm-hmm. they want the best out of their children because like Asian culture is all about the family, you know, collectively as a unit. And so mm-hmm. when you invest all your time and effort into your kids, eventually this will pay back for you. Uh, that's how it is in Asian culture. And so they want to meet, what they want from me is not, not, not necessarily to become a doctor, but to become rich and successful or whatever, just so that they can um, share in that. Because like, again, like my parents gave everything uh, to me and they, and what I feel like that's what a lot of immigrant parents do. You know, they like mm-hmm. set their kids up for success. And um, yeah, so it's mostly, again, like, I feel like my parents push me because it's for them, because, you know, they'll know that, like, they're eventually going to come live with me, and they want, my mom has a lot of high expectations for herself, and therefore for me as well, so she wants to live in a nice place, etc., so, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely, 100% ego. (laughs) But then wouldn't that also technically be altruism, because you're not necessarily, like, doing it for just themselves they're doing it so that you can be successful they're pushing you so that you know you as your family unit can be successful so that your kids and then your eventually grandkids could also be successful because you're building you know more generational wealth you're building more uh better habits you're building better situations for your entire family right and this is this is why i wanted to ask this because, wow like, actually yeah <laughs> now that you're dissecting you think, my answer i'm like wow that, okay because like <laughs> think about it right like it's it is kind of all like because i had the same thing when i was thinking about like why do i write why do i like to like stories and it's like a little bit of ego it's a whole lot of ego fact uh-huh. but it's also a little bit of altruism you know so like when a family tries to build something for itself it is ego but it is also altruistic because you know you can only increase your station of the people that you care about through you know maybe pushing and through doing other things yeah. So, so, so you still think it's out of just ego? No, I like the way you dissected my answer, actually. So I, I think that a heart, at the heart of it is altruism, as, as you had explained exactly. But it just comes off as ego a lot of the time because my mom would just be like, oh, yeah, you know, I get to brag to my friends that you're going to be a doctor. <laughs> or like, yeah, my son is going to be the, the future doctor, et cetera. And like, I hate the way that sounds personally. I, I just like, like mom, don't, don't talk about me like that. Like, yeah, I don't I, I mean, that's good. It's a good thing to, you know, like brag about, but at the same time, I get what you mean. Cause like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not the kid that the parents brag about. I'm, I'm the black sheep of the family. I'm the, I'm the one who went down the weird path and like my family is never going to like talk me up like that. But like, you know, my brother, he's like, Oh, he's working with children. He's like helping uh, uh, kids who are doing stuff. And that's, that's a great thing. You know, tell him I said, hi, by the way, I love your brother. <laughs> I will. I would tell him hi, but then he might start yelling. Cause he's playing video games with his pals. Fair right enough. Now. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, I could get why that'd be uncomfortable. But hey, I mean, you know, you're going to be successful, Michael. Like, be glad about that. Like, you should be. Yeah. Okay. Your turn. Oh, gee. Okay. Um, let's see. That was a bunch of really funny questions I wanted to ask you. Um, okay. Yeah, I can ask you. Uh, let's see. Speaking of, you know, uh, our future, et cetera. Uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, um, what's your ideal? <laughs> what's the dream what's your ideal place to live and retire and uh do you imagine kids in that future of yours i would love 
I would love to live in a planet that was no longer ravaged by climate change. <laughs> um, specifically a place. I would, you know, I genuinely love the Bay Area. I, I genuinely love the, like, the vibe, the atmosphere, because everyone here is incredibly intelligent, I would say. All the people that I've met, like, even, like, in passing, all are just very bright, like, educated people. And... I'm not saying that people aren't educated everywhere else, but like, there's a certain kind of like mentality that comes here of like, this place is the future. And it kind of feels like that whenever you like work at any place, like I've worked at, uh, in, uh, a, a, a tech fruit company, uh, often on their campus and like being in that space, like just reminds you that this place is the future. This is the cutting edge of technology for a lot of things. This is the cutting edge for a lot of other, um, industries, you know? And being here, being surrounded by that is amazing. Like you, you feel the future here, but the problem that comes with that is that, you know, there's a lot of gentrification that happens to communities, especially Latino mm -hmm. communities and black communities, especially in, you know, San Francisco, especially in Oakland, uh, San Jose, yeah. Oakland, like all of these places get kind of, you know, built over and replaced by, you know, other rich, smart people coming in and, you know, just buying up homes, buying up properties and, it's kind of like a double-edged sword in that like I would love to be a part of this place, but it feels like this place doesn't want me to be a part of it kind of. And that's always the kind of vibe that like has always been like shown to not just me, but to a lot of other, you know, uh, not as uh, that don't have people that don't have as much interracial wealth, you know? And yeah, the ideal would be to, you know, be able to be a part of the future to be a part of here and then, you know, build that generational wealth around this area to be a part of that future, you know? Um, I would love to have kids. I'd love to, you know, send them to some great schools over here. Um, then the on the other hand, the other part of me, the more like super like, if I had the most massive ego thing would be like, I'd buy a fucking mansion in LA. I'd, I'd be, I'd be, you know, some fucking executive like Kevin Feige making like fucking billions of dollars off of movies. And I'd have like, I'd afford like five kids or something. I'd bring all my family to live in that mansion. And I just live down in like SoCal fucking making movies and making money. But, you know, to be more realistic, I'm probably going to hopefully be just like some, like in a writer's room and just, you know, have a modest home in the suburbs somewhere. And that's totally fine too. I just want to be, you know, either a part of that creative space in Los Angeles or a part of this, like, you know, this feeling of the future here in the Bay area. Um, the ideal would be to live on Mars by myself and, you know, being one of the first colonists there, that'd be awesome. Obviously that's a joke, but <laughs> Hey, if that could happen. That'd be fucking awesome. Yeah. What about you? What's the, what's your ideal place to retire? Um, I don't know, man, just after experiencing, uh, the Midwest weather. So not there. That's all I care about. Really. I, when I, <laughs> as I'm applying to medical schools, I'm applying to specifically warm places <laughs> like down South, down on the East coast, like in Florida, like over here, of course, like Arizona, anywhere that just doesn't have snow. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't like snow. <laughs> that's not to say I don't like snow. Like, you know, I, I, I would love to go. I, I love snowboarding. I, I like doing recreational to stuff. visit, not to live though. Exactly. Yeah. But <laughs> Uh, so, um, but ideal place to live um, in the future, et cetera. My ideal for the longest time, you know, in, uh, I remember in uh, high school, I had a thing for um, 
for a Latina woman, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I took Spanish. I thought our, our Spanish teacher was hot. Anyway. <laughs> I don't think you were, I, I don't want to confirm nor deny that because I can't remember. yeah but anyway um yeah back then my ideal was like oh i go to medical school and then i live um in puerto rico with my um with my really hot wife and three children bruce pet and juanita um (laughs) i think i remember this i think i remember something along this line because it was ridiculous yeah because it's hilarious (laughs) yeah but anyway now i decided to settle i'm going to settle for a nice life in uh sunny san diego great weather uh, and I have my own neurology practice down there because, well, that's where you can help the most amount of people practicing neurology, San Diego or San Diego or Miami, you know, those popular retirement places that are um, warm, sunny, etc. Yeah, I went to yeah. visit San Diego for my family uh, recently. I think it's a great place to be. It is very great. Um, whereabouts in San Diego do you live? Uh, fuck, I can't even remember, to be honest. It's all good. <laughs> I don't know any of the neighborhoods. I just, I like, cause it's like one of those memories that's just like, I know where I could like describe the area, yeah. but like, I don't know the fucking streets. I don't know anything else. I don't know the neighborhoods. I don't know. I know Jack shit. I was like, I want to go visit and hang out with my uh, nieces and nephews. And that's it. That's cool though. When did you go? Uh, we left Friday. We went for uh, father's day weekend and we got oh. to get my grandpa to meet uh, uh, some of his great grandkids that live Aww. in Seattle. Cause they yeah. came down to visit and it was really awesome. That's sweet, dude. Yeah, we went to the beaches down there, which is way better than fucking Santa Cruz up here in the cold ass water. That's what I'm saying, and that's why I want to end up down there. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I get it. I, I feel it. Yeah, dude. Uh, I went down there for the first time as like an adult um, when I think it was yeah, it was late May. It was for a patient funeral. So I work with um, with uh, with patients with a very specific neurodegenerative disease. It's very rapidly progressing. So I met him about. It? Uh, it's called progressive supranuclear palsy. It's a Parkinson's spectrum sort of disorder where um, people, it's rapidly progressing. So it's like Parkinson's on steroids. People um, develop, um, or rather, yeah, they develop the inability to like walk, to talk, um, to swallow, which I think is an awful way to go. That does sound awful. Yeah, yeah, it's really bad. But anyway, it's a very rare disease. Only, I think, 60,000 people in the United States have it. Um, But yeah, so. Yeah, those are the people I work with. Anyway, um, one uh, one of them passed away. He lived in San Diego, and I visited um, San Diego when I attended his funeral. And yeah, it lovely place. I went there for the first time in my adult life, and I loved every single part of it. The weather, the people, everything was just like immaculate, man. Have you had other like people that you like pass away? Like, has that is that is that a, a common? facet of what you're doing one passed away yesterday <laughs> i mean oh. yeah uh, actually no over the weekend i think it was but uh yeah it is a common facet but like you know you learn to to cope with it it's important not to get like too too attached because then it would you know lead to heartbreak especially when people with neurodegenerative disorders man like they their life is very very you know it can slip very quickly but that's just how it is. Um, it's a lot of suffering. Uh, that's why, like, like as far as specialties go in medicine, uh, neurologists actually have the least job satisfaction because <laughs> it's it, depressing. It, yeah, I would say that seems depressing. I would f- think it feel like psychiatry and psychology would be followed up right after it because understanding humans is literally impossible. Yeah, actually, psychiatry has pretty high job satisfaction. Oh. But they work nine to fives, really. That's true. <laughs> 
so they have a good like quality of life and balance yeah. probably exactly yeah but yeah um anyway so going back to the topic of san diego <laughs> when i was applying <laughs> it, this is really funny so when i was applying to college apps uh sorry when i was doing my college apps applying to colleges i was um in my room and then my dad walks in he's like hey son what you up to i'm like oh dad hey i'm uh, applying to uh, uc san diego right now my dad's my dad goes ah returning to the place of your conception <laughs> right and then i'm at my oh computer my my, i know i'm at my computer my hands are on my keyboard i'm like I, I like i turn around i'm like what and my dad goes what and then he closes the door and leaves <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking troll that is amazing that is such a dad move holy shit i loved it and like <laughs> I was frozen, of course, but like in retrospect, I love it. And, and maybe that's like ever since that uh, time, that's when I was thinking that's what got San Diego in my head. Like, you know, that's what confirmed it. I was like, okay, I'm, you were meant for San back. Diego. I, I was <laughs> meant to go was, back, back to the source. Back to where I was conceived, <laughs> back from whence I came, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Your dad's so flexed. <laughs> I love my dad. <laughs> like, that was great. That, that's a great. That's a great anecdote. That's fucking awesome. I want to be like that to my kids, man. You should. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't drop it on them randomly, or don't do it randomly. That's not the whole point. It. Exactly. When they least expect it. <laughs> okay, I am going to ask you a question. We're going to change mm -hmm. subjects. Um, here's a fun one because I want to change things up a bit because we talked about something kind of somber a bit earlier. Is there a person from anywhere in time you wish you could punch in the face? You know, that's actually just going to lead to another somber sort of conversation. But, really? Uh, what, hey, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep it relatively, going. Relatively, yeah. Um, you know, I, I really don't hate people. I really don't. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to really, really dislike someone. Um, and so that's why this, like, this person I want to punch in the face is like a complete stranger. <laughs> ah. Yeah. So um, back when I was a kid, I was like eight years old. I was um, at Santa Cruz with my parents and I was digging a hole at the beach because that's what kids do. They dig at the beach. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to build sandcastles, whatever. I don't know. Make holes, I, bury themselves in it, have fun, exactly. be that's a child. Was, yeah, that's what I was trying to do. I was like eight years old. Anyway, there's this kid from about like 30 yards away um, just walking with his uh, like his friends or family. I don't recall. Um, he was probably a couple years older than me, but he looks at me, he goes, what are you doing? Are you building a, uh, are you, are you uh, digging yourself back to China? Yeah, that was like my, probably one of the first experiences of like racism I'd, I'd experienced that I can remember. And I was so pissed. I like want to, I, if that hole weren't so deep, I would have been at it. I would have been running at him within seconds, but I was already six feet in anyway. <laughs> Yeah, hey, that's so, impressive. Like, Be glad about that deep hole. Like that's that's a that's a good that's a good hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Anyway, I, I was craw like crawling out of that hole, and my my dad was like, "Don't do it. It's not worth it." I was so angry. I would be but, too, dude. Like, I I don't know what it is about people's like people with racist ideas like being so audacious in their like fucking stupidity. Like, it never understood me. Like, I, I, I say this as, you know, as an asshole who used to fucking make jokes, you know, and I, I don't know if you even remember the fucking stupid shit I used to do in middle school and stuff. But back then in middle school, I think middle school gets a pass because everyone was fucking racist back then. Every every fucking <laughs> dude was racist, at least for my remember. 
Um, but like, there's also the humor back then, man. That was like 10 years ago. That's true. Like, we're less sensitive. <laughs> that's that is very true. Yeah. But you know what? Like, it doesn't make it necessarily better either. Like, of course, realizing a lot of stuff, like how that shaped me as I, as I grew up, I was like, fuck, fuck society back then. But, um, so you would punch this racist, uh, this racist kid in the face. I've had dreams about it. Really? <laughs> yeah, not lately, but like throughout my life, I have. Yeah. Oh wow! It really, it's probably, it's probably like one of those memories that's like seared into your head. Kinda, uh, yeah. In my dreams, I punch like these random strangers who have like said things like that to me. There have been a few. I think that's worth it. I fuck those people. How often does it happen, though? I mean, I know that you like. I know it's not impossible for someone to feel racism, but I've talked to people, and you know, the barrier is still kind of a bubble. You know, it's not very. it's not very rare per se, but it's also not uh, common either. You know, it's like, surprisingly common as I've come to realize, especially I, given the events of the last three months or so. Yeah. I think, I think it increased a lot more in the past few years because of fucking the ex president. But I've, to me, like the experience, the racism that I've ever always experienced is always like the not blatant kind, but okay. the subtle dig kind. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm, um, I'm Mexican that it's different. Um, but like it's always like the oh this isn't for you kind of like feeling like mm-hmm. like you don't feel the culture kind of racism versus you know hey spick hey 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 wetback you know there was one or two people that used to do that and i know some people used to make jokes and shit but like never something super blatant as like go back to mexico is like as far as i can remember at least nothing that affected me yeah have you found like more experience more racism in the past few years because of everything going on um i don't know if it's because of the general like everything that's been going on in terms of like you know the political situation in the u.s but um kind of yeah actually uh i have been experienced more racism um like over the course of the pandemic there have been people who have like done stupid shit or said stupid shit to me but then you know they're fucking cowards man these people like when i started like walking up to them and like asking like what the fuck did you just say or like whatever they'll just like walk back on it or they'll just avoid me completely like there's this guy um at like the Safeway I was in line for something and then um I was in line at the Safeway actually um because there's a line to get in this was at the very height of the pandemic or the beginning rather and I go um huh when did uh when did we start having to line up to go to the grocery store and there's this guy who goes like ever since we had to start wearing these damn masks and he like points at me I'm the only Asian guy in this line and then everyone else in the line like looked at him and then like gave him the death layer including me and then he goes into the store and runs away and every time i tried like finding him within the store he'd like make eye contact with me and bolt it like i i don't know man but anyway uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of like blatant racism that i've experienced especially within the last year but um yeah that's all within the bay area i've faced more blatant racism in the bay area than any other part of the country that i've been to there it's just been more ignorant uh, mm-hmm. and you know that, that fucking shocks me you know because like we know that you know san jose has the highest concentration of vietnamese people in the fucking country like how the fu- how the fuck do you get this stupid like <laughs> like it's genuinely like how the fuck do you how how do you get this stupid when you're around people like that constantly when you're around a whole lot of diversity like this is one of the most diverse fucking places of all time like i've been to you know small towns for stuff i've been i've driven through a lot of the uh 
fucking like south of California and stuff like that. And it's diverse as hell here. Like it is, it is uh, a, not a cloud. It is a spectrum. Melting pot. It's a spectrum from white to the darkest of the dark. And it is amazing. And I love that. And it's fucking fantastic. Mm -hmm. So to have someone just be stupidly racist like that here boggles my fucking mind. Yeah, I think that because it's such a melting pot and so diverse here, you know, you get people from all over the world coming into the coming into the Bay Area. Mm. I feel like the people that make these sorts of comments in the Bay Area, they were not raised here. They're those folks who are like transplants from like uh, from other parts of the country or from more racist countries. Mm-hmm. I like, think that's I can probably bet true. You, yeah, I can bet you like almost all the people like all these hate crimes have been committed within the Bay Area. And there have been a lot were committed by like the majority of them were committed by people who like don't who didn't even grow up here at all i, I think you're probably right honestly because there's, i think there's like a profound understanding of this area just being one a bubble but also just being a good place to just be like no matter what you are i think everybody here is pretty open to everything you know there's have been like specific situations where i felt like a little bit uncomfortable um like with like with chris's family a bit uh uh, knowing that his uh, parents were, you know, Trump supporters and stuff like that. So it was always kind of mm-hmm. like a little bit of tension, but, you know, like they still welcomed me. They still cared about me, but like knowing that there's other people that are less accepting than them is it just, it just, I don't understand why racism exists in this day and age. I mean, I understand it's because racist assholes teach their kids to be racist assholes and, pr- and push these stupid ideas into them. But to me, it's always like when you were exposed to so much and you're exposed to so much diversity, why, why, why keep it up? You're, you're wrong. You're immediately going to be proven wrong by literally all the facts of life. Why keep it up? Why, why continue this? Like people put fucking stupid ass Trump flags and like COVID denial bullshit on one of the fucking overhangs here in Morgan Hill during the fucking like height of the election season. My dad most ignorant, stupid bullshit ever. And I know it's a minority of people because like when you check the statistics of who voted, like Santa Clara is blue as fuck. It's like 90% (laughs) blue. Like that is a, that is an overwhelming majority of, you know, good natured thinking people. And the more you read into it, these people are from like Hollister. They're from the boonies. They're from fucking not the area just trying to start shit because they're stupid and racist. And I just don't, I just don't get why it exists. Yeah, man. Yeah, they're just not used to it, you know. I don't know. <laughs> I know part of me always kind of thinks that you know it's literally just not people being exposed to it uh, or being exposed to who you are. I, I have this, I have this big conundrum because you know, for Mexican American representation in media, there is a whole lot of negativity involved in it. The majority of roles that Mexican Americans get in, like, for acting and just representation in anything, it's you know, gang related. It's negative it's working roles and not I, I don't i'm not like shitting on working roles because you know even when i worked at uh the tech companies like seeing you know janitors and all the people like taking care of the place where mexican americans or latino like that fills me with pride you know that we are working we are doing something we are making something of ourselves mm-hmm. but like when it comes to like filmmaking and what i want to do like not seeing that representation is it's heartbreaking because when i do when people do see mexicans they see gangbangers they see people that are gangsters they see cholos they see 
a whole bunch of negative stereotypes and just keeps on getting reinforced. And it's almost by design. It's like, because of this war on drugs, because of this border situation, it's because of, you know, just racism in general and the inability to take on unpaid internships when you have to feed yourself essentially. And part of me always just thinks like, if there's a few about people who can just get into positions where they can change the perspective of people and to reintroduce these reintroduce our culture in a different light then things will change like coco did that like i i movies like coco did that it's a fucking beautiful movie and up until then do you know i don't know many movies that were like aimed at you know mexican americans and latinos in the the world and then also you know appeal to a whole wider audience through its storytelling like Pixar is one of the most major studios. Of, uh, it's it's one of the most major animation studios of all time, and it is a big risk for them. It's a huge risk for them because, you know, as unfortunate as it is, like that market isn't guaranteed. But because they had that name power and they had Disney backing them and they had a great fucking story, it succeeded, and it proved to everybody that you know we are worth being represented the right way in a great way. And I really, really think that part of racism is just not seeing things accurately and that if you like you talk to someone who's like maybe even blatantly racist or just casually racist just talking to them like normally like so what is your what so you think all mexicans are gang bankers right i'm not I, i'm not i'm not in a fucking gang i i do filmmaking i'm the least violent person ever i i hate the thought of like hurting people so how does that change you in any way like does it will it and I think for the most part, it would change someone who's willing to change a lot. But, you know, you can't do that. You can't get on an individual level with every single person, you know? Yeah. Like you, it's impossible. You would never be able to, like, talk to every single racist person and get rid of the racism. But what you can do is you can provide more, you know, normal representation in media. And I, that's one of the big things about uh, in the industry right now is about representation and getting that representation um, out there because it's important. Like, I don't remember what the what study showed it, but like the majority of all these roles, all these things being portrayed on media are all negative, especially for men. And it's like, people won't change the perspectives that aren't part of California, that aren't around, you know, a lot of Latinos and around Mexicans until they're shown what the reality is, you know? And I, I want to be a proponent of that. Like, I never really kind of like, felt this need to counteract that, you know, when I was younger, but, you know, as I've grown up and as I've developed, like that is something that is incredibly needed because I don't know about you, but I think that like just racism in general went up completely over the past four years. And I don't think it's going to like settle down anytime soon. I think it's going to reach a boiling point before it does something else. Um, But it doesn't have to boil if you can change the hearts and minds of the American people. Yeah. Anyways, that was a long rant. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, it's all good, man. Uh, you know Do you what? feel like you've gotten more close to like your your um your Mexican culture as you've aged? Yeah, actually. Do you think you've gotten more close to your Vietnamese culture as you've aged? Absolutely. Like, <laughs> I think that's just what happened. Like, it's something that I've talked to uh, like pretty much everyone, like all my friends from Morgan Hill about that I reconnected with recently, and it's the same way with them. I don't know why. <laughs> I, you, you know, I. I, I think that it's a great thing, though, because, you know, we all 
and I, and I think this is because of uh, the way that we are growing up. And I, I hate to say this because we all kind of were forced to be whitewashed here. Um, I was going to address that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's, it's not, it's, 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 it's a really negative thing because uh, I mentioned this on the second episode of this podcast where my mom told me an anecdote about when I was in third grade. Um, I went to school. I used to speak Spanish like normally, like all the time, just casually. Like it, it was my first language and I used to speak it like almost as much as I spoke English. But I had come back after third grade, after one day, I think it may have been with a substitute because that's vaguely what I remember, something about a substitute. And I just stopped speaking Spanish to her. I just flat out stopped. And like from wow. that day on, it took like less, I, I spoke to her in Spanish less and less and less. And, you know, I never realized it at the time, but I'm guessing I probably had like, like a, like a racist interaction with someone like this is America speak English kind of situation. And, mm -hmm. you know, you don't think about how these little things, like I could, I could have ignored this substitute. I could have just been like, fuck you. I'm going to speak Spanish forever. But when you're a kid, like an authority figure is telling you something like this, like you kind of internalize it a little bit more and you kind of like take it a little bit more. And then there's also the other teasings. Like, I don't know if you know this song, but this land is your land. Uh, uh, this it's a uh, this land is our land, but it's uh, against uh, against everybody. Basically, it's like this land is my land. It isn't your land. I've got a shotgun. And oh, you don't and you got one. Yeah. It, if you don't get off, I'll blow your head off. This land was made for only me. And you know, it's it's a fucking stupid jingle. But like, when you have a white kid saying that to ethnicity kids it's it's got its it's got its connotations it's got its uh, implications it's got its uh, very heavy implications and even just snide comments like that uh would like i would internalize them like i got uh why can't we be friends because you're mexican and i was like jesus like i get that you're a jokester but like that that what? shit does like hurts holy crap <laughs> I, oh no you you, you you didn't say that i don't it wasn't you um, i know but like where was that <laughs> It was at Sobrato. I know the person who said it. I, I I can say their name like right now. I'm just not going to because it's the past and it doesn't That's necessarily horrible. matter. Jesus. It is pretty horrible. Yeah. Like I remember that moment and like I never like tried to be, you know, Mexican. I never tried to be, you know, a stereotype or anything or try to do anything. But like, you know, as I grew up, you kind of just kind of, I repeated myself, I you kind of realize that you need to hold on to the things that make you who you are like i didn't realize how much effort my mother put into learning english in the first place how much effort my parents do into getting where they are now you know i would always kind of be growing up i would be kind of upset that they had accents that they didn't speak english perfectly because i can i have an american accent i sound white as fuck i sound american as fuck essentially and they don't and because of i guess of all the other internalized uh microaggressions and shit like that you know, it's uh, there is like a little bit of shame with that when you grow up, especially here. Especially Morgan Hill. <laughs> especially fucking here. Um, I'm glad it's, it's getting it's, better though. It it is getting better. Like I'm sure if you went to a, a classroom right now, all the kids would be super, every color around the rainbow and like probably super accepting. Um, but that wasn't how, that wasn't what it was like for us growing up. Like people oh, were still no. racist as hell back yeah, in the day. I was like the only Asian kid. Like maybe there was one other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was not bad, but it wasn't good either. And as you grow up, you realize that they kind of got beaten out of you. And so you kind of claw at it back. You claw to get it back. And I feel like that's the same with a lot of people. You just claw to get your roots back. 
And I think that's a good thing. I think it's a wonderful thing to celebrate where you're, where you're from and how that helps you to be, how it helps you push to where you want to be going. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's absolutely wonderful that we're kind of reattaching ourselves to our cultures. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Morgan Hill's getting way more diverse. I was like walking, walking down the street, like uh, the other day, walking my dog and um, I saw this like, um, uh, this like Indian family. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, uh, I talked to them a little bit. I was like, oh, would you, um, um, uh, how long have you guys been living in Morgan Hill? I haven't seen you before. And they're like, oh yeah, we just moved into the, to the neighborhood over by the Target. You know, the one that was like brand new. Essentially yeah, that wasn't even made by the time exactly. you left. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so I talked to my folks about it. And I was like, you know, there are a lot more, um, there are a lot more ethnic people in Morgan Hill. Like I go to Target, I go Walmart, and I see that. My da- my parents are like, yeah, it's because all those um, Bay Area jobs are, um, are all those people with Bay Area, jo- Bay Area jobs are coming down to Morgan Hill. I was like, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. It's, it's yeah. pretty great. Whose turn is it? Uh, uh, hmm. <laughs> hold on <laughs> no that's fine i don't even remember man <laughs> oh oh it was me because i because it was a punch in the face but then my follow-up question to that is you want to punch hitler in the face you wouldn't fucking like punch some dictator in the face mm-hmm. oh of course yeah i mean that's like my my go-to answer would be like hitler or something <laughs> but like no i i feel like um to make it different i guess you know i want to make it something more personal to me okay no yeah by that i get it because like again go-to answer would be hitler or like something yeah like it, i would i would have i would have given you shit for voting for saying hitler too like you, you wouldn't have escaped it anyways because it's yeah. a bait it's a generic answer and then right. i would have asked like what happens if you beat up hitler then it's like how does the world change does it yeah is it killing <laughs> what happens if you go back in time and you kill baby hitler what happens then <laughs> I love that scene in uh, Infinity War where um, uh, I forgot his name, um, but he was like, "Why don't you just go back in time, go to baby Thanos?" And you're like, "I love that." <laughs> I mean, it's a good question. It is a legitimately good question. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, I think that it's warranted because he killed half the universe. So, <laughs> just saying, that's not a Rody, terrible thing. It was Rody who said that. Yeah, yes, and then Rody. he did the motion. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so speaking of universes and worlds, um, uh, I figured I'd ask you this one. So if you could live in any fictional universe, i.e. Lord of the Rings, slash Middle-Earth, Harry Potter, Hunger Games, Call of Duty, uh, Walking Dead, literally any, any universe, what would it be and why? Fuck, like no matter what you choose, like the whole point is that because these are stories, so there's always some huge struggle within them, which means there's a giant evil presence in them not that there's not one in the real life um it just means that there is there is a de facto enemy there's a de facto struggle like if you chose middle earth before sauron gets defeated sauron's your enemy goblins and orcs and all foul creatures are your enemy if you choose the hunger games it's the capital and this dictatorship of new america or pan am um and then like walking dead it's zombies um but genuinely, I think the easiest answer for me would be saying Lord of the Rings, because to be a hobbit and doing nothing but gardening, eating food and smoking weed all day <laughs> sounds like a fucking amazing life. Like, it's so peaceful. You just you literally just chill with your friends and hang out in a garden and eat all day. You just do nothing but live. And that to me sounds absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. 
granted i also you know would want to do things so i'd probably be like bilbo and gone adventures and stuff every once in a while but when i didn't want to do that i'd just be chilling and that to me sounds pretty awesome but that also comes with you know there's goblins in the world you know magic exists (laughs) you know a giant eagle could come and eat you technically uh you know there's trolls that will like chew on your bones and munch on your bones so like if you did go on an adventure you would you would get you could get pretty fucked you could get pretty (laughs) fucking messed up but then that's kind of the whole point is that you're going on an adventure to be uncomfortable to experience something to do right and not a whole lot of hobbits did that exactly only like five (laughs) yeah and that's good for them like genuinely like after coming back from the war of the ring i'm sure like frodo mary and pippin and sam were like this shit is this shit is boring. This is like, <laughs> what, what? Like, this is, this is the height of life. I mean, some people probably want like peace and quiet and stuff, but like, I'd probably come back and going like, yeah, I feel so unfulfilled. And that's kind of what Frodo felt. That's why he left Middle Earth and went to the, to fucking, I can't even remember its name right now. I sip Valinor? too much. Valinor. Um, and fucking, cause he couldn't, he couldn't, he, he knew he couldn't fit in anymore. He knew he couldn't deal and, I feel like if I went on an adventure in Middle Earth, that probably happened. But then at the same time, I wouldn't have to go on adventures in Middle Earth. I could just stay on you a hill stay. in the yeah in the hole in the ground. You know, I'm gonna choose Middle Earth because it sounds idyllic and wonderful. And second runner-up is Walking Dead because they're the slow-moving zombies, and that's easy as fuck to deal with. The only problem <laughs> is other people, and I could turn on the sociopath and just not care about people and survive probably. Um, and live out my 13-year-old fantasies of surviving a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> right. What about you? Where would you go? Good answers. You know, um, I, oh, I think about, about Star Wars. Oh, that'd be lit. Because the Force what? would exist. The Force would exist. And you, like, if you had, like, a certain Mediterranean count, you could be a Jedi. <laughs> like, that's pretty dope, man. Oh, it my God. And, and you could like, get lightsabers as blasters. You could light travel. You could visit random planets. If you're a random imperial, like a uh, citizen of the empire, you can join the army and then like fly TIE fighters. That's pretty dope. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Ah, shit, man. Like, I have to think about it. I was about to say Lord of the Rings, but now that you bring up Star Wars, <laughs> that's, you know, there's no racism in Star Wars. There's, okay, I mean, there's, there's, there's probably racism, but it's, 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 it's yeah, it's, it's against more like droids. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's also like more because the empire has to be. A conglomerate like they probably don't want racism within their own ranks a lot so they probably just make it like the rebels and whoever isn't the empire the enemy you know like that uber fascist like like if you're in the empire you're good but if you're outside of the empire get fucked yeah <laughs> and if i'm playing in it have you played the new star wars games like battlefront 2 like um i played battlefront uh the first one i played battlefront 2 for a little bit um I never, I haven't finished uh, uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Um, I played a bit of it, but it's it's all great. I watched all the movies though, um, yeah. except for Solo. Mm. Oh, Solo was pretty good. Yeah, I but heard anyway, it was okay. But... Yeah, and so like all this new media from like um, all this new Star Wars media that portrays like you know, um, y- you see like a different side of the Empire, like especially in Battlefront Two, where like it follows the story of like a soldier who's like father was in the military and she wants to live uh, you know live up to her father's like um like idea like his standing whatever like his expectations and i think that's pretty cool like I, you know like because 
before I was like, oh, Empire, bad guys. But now it's like, wait, there are humans there. You know, there are humans within it. Like, that's it's pretty cool. I, I see, like, it's cool to see both sides. Anyway, um, so going so back to- So you joined the Empire? Doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, what what did they do wrong? They, so they you're okay with- In order to, to get, okay, 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 never okay mind. okay with dictatorships? No, I, I take genocide that back. Genocide of planets. I take it back because I th- just thought about like the genocide of planets. That's pretty awful. No, <laughs> fine. I'd like to. I'd like to be a citizen within that that universe. Maybe you know the new republic doesn't sound too bad. You know, Luke and Leia's republic. <laughs> Before everything fell, maybe the high republic would be nice, or the old Ex- republic. Or that, yeah, exactly. But yeah, in a time was... of pure peace and no war. <laughs> yeah. And uh, an answer that drags me away from the Lord of the Rings answer is because, like, if I came to Middle Earth as like an Asian dude, I'm gonna be a bad guy, man. <laughs> I'm forced to be a bad guy. Why? Why? Because like the Easterlings, man. Like, okay, they're like oh, technically yeah, like right. they're technically like the Middle Eastern folk, like equivalents. But like, um, the people that were like farther east, like the that were like those chariot rider dudes. And they were based on China, and so like I'd be I'd be marked as a bad dude. That's true. I don't exist in Middle Earth. There, there's no equivalent to Latinos in. That isn't. It's literally all because Tolkien didn't know any. Because yeah, because he didn't know any, and you know that's not. I'm not gonna harp him for. He's born in 1900s. Like I don't really care. I love his world. <laughs> it doesn't seem like too terrible of a dude. But like I would either be an Easterling too, and you know look like them. <laughs> or this is more fucked up i'd be a fucking orc because the only brown people you see in lord of the rings the movies are orcs and it's pretty fucking shitty and it's and that's like the one thing that i can never ignore about the movies now and that kind of sucks Tolkien that, was low-key racist man <laughs> like well everyone was low-key racist back then that's kind of like something that i just accept unfortunately <laughs> yeah you're right it's like i can't like judging people from from the past with today's like day and age for things that like for prejudices like that i think is so ridiculous and counterintuitive because like you can't go back and change their fucking minds like do you have a time machine no yeah what the why are we doing this exercise there's no point they were racist great they're dead move on when it comes to slavery though you can judge people because slavery was always wrong and has always been wrong and people knew it was wrong back then anyways i'd be a fucking orc probably and that <laughs> that makes me kind of happy but also kind of fucks me up because i'd love to be a little brown hobbit like just fucking chilling in the shire but <laughs> who knows i'd be like an imp in the misty mountains yeah. living under a fat king <laughs> the goblin king with like the testicle like chin oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and waddle everywhere oh god <laughs> disgusting you know, I think I think Star Wars would be a great universe to live in too, though. I sounds pretty sweet, man. Yeah, yeah, like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Walking Dead. I think that's my list now. Okay. Because having the even the chance of having the Force, that 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 trumps a whole <laughs> lot. It trumps a whole lot. The reason why I chose the, the Lord of the Rings is because the hot is because the Shire seems super peaceful and pretty sweet. But having the chance to have the Force, and even just blasters, blasters exist. Yeah, it'd be worth. I think it'd be worth. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, we were talking about people with uh, in the past and having prejudices and being stupid based on, you know, the information available at the time, their beliefs at the time, etc. Do you think... Okay. 
are people allowed to learn after making huge mistakes? An example, uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is, you know, a prominent uh, Trump supporter in Congress. Um, yeah, recently, yeah uh, she recently compared, or not recently, before she had compared mask wearing to uh, the Holocaust and Jews wearing stars during the Holocaust. Um, but she finally visited uh, the Holocaust Museum and walked back to those comments and said that she takes them back, essentially. Is something like that, is it, for something like this, is it too little too late? Or is it good that she finally realized she was wrong? And then the other thing is, like, do you also think that maybe it could be a ploy? Yeah. All right, one sec while I shift. No, no worries. Places. Yeah. It's getting to that time of night where my uh, neighbors are going to bed and I have to be like conscious of that. No, understandable. Yeah, I kind of hate them. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, the fact that like you were just talking and like you had to move, that screams to me like they're kind of asshole neighbors, to be honest. Absolutely. Oh my God. Oh. Do anyway, they knock on your door and like, can you please keep it down? That happened so I'm just once. having a conversation. Oh my god, that happened annoying. once around this time. Yeah, so that's why I moved over here. That's how the Wild. bedroom. Yeah, I kind of hate it. Anyway, uh, so the main question. So the question was, um, are see. the main question is, are people allowed to learn after making huge mistakes? Okay, yeah. Um, so short answer, yeah, absolutely. I think that um, there's a, that's what the whole criminal justice system is based on right people like you go you make a huge mistake you commit a huge crime you go to jail and you atone for it you know you're you're given the opportunity to like um to learn from it or well it's not exactly like that jail like this is a completely other topic that we can go into but like yeah jail doesn't teach you much (laughs) yeah exactly right like but that's the idea that's the ideal of it but anyway yeah it doesn't always meet up to that anyway i do believe that um that people should and uh should have the opportunity to learn from their mistakes and i think that's a huge um i think that's just a huge aspect of maturity you know just being human now with regards to the congresswoman and you know more high profile people i think it's very hard (laughs) to uh to walk back at those comments and i i think that what she did exact i think that's it's too little too late for her on like from my standpoint I, I forgive her, man, but like if she were someone who represented California or more closer to home, I wouldn't want someone like that representing me. Hell no. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> like my, my thing is like, I, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt for everything, you know, like some people generally don't know because it's the education system in different states is just so out of whack. Like we're, we're great that we were, we were from California and, you know, it's a very great state and it's for the most part, you learn a lot. Like I remember taking AP US history and learning about, you know, the Native Americans and how we americans i'm not gonna say we because i was not existing back then i mean how americans treated you know native american populations as on its outset and how terrible it was but i'm sure someone from one of the midwest states never even thought about that once and was just like america's great america's the greatest thing ever and that probably never maybe even learned about the holocaust or anything like that Mm it's like i kind of want to give her like the benefit of the doubt like you probably maybe didn't even know and this is just kind of something that you it's just ignorant. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, I to me I am okay with people being ignorant. It's like you just don't know this thing, and that's fine. I think that's fine to not know things. I'm I'm pretty ignorant about a lot of stuff. I don't know what the the specifics and details of what you do. I'm ignorant to that, um, and that's perfectly okay. Because like she probably in my mind it was like she thought like oh the Holocaust was bad because people died, versus 
oh, they systematically murdered a bunch of people because they were different and the Nazis were assholes and pieces of shit human beings. Um, and once she went to the museum, she probably realized that, wow, this was the most fucked up thing ever. Um, because like, you, maybe you just don't know, like genuinely just don't feel that. Like you never watched a, a movie about it. You never saw any documentaries of just some footnote in your textbook, you know? But at the same time, the internet exists. The information is available to you. This is not something that you can claim ignorance to anymore. I don't think. I don't think it is possible to claim ignorance to things anymore when you have access to the wealth of human knowledge. So I also agree with you that I think it's too little too late. But part of me also wonders if it was a political ploy to get the comments off of her back. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's just, mm -hmm, sorry. No, continue. But that's just part of being a high profile person, you know, like you have like all the eyes in the world essentially looking at, um, looking at you or having act, something to access to look at you. And so you kind of have to <laughs> do things like that. You have to walk back your comments, no matter how you feel about them. And, but again, that's just a factor of being like high profile. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Do you think Here's that the high profile people have less? Do you have less sympathy for them when they make mistakes? Um, no, I have, if anything, I have more sympathy for them because I feel bad that like, there's so much pressure on them. <laughs> They're just human, just like any of us. If I were to say something like extremely stupid, ignorant, racist on this podcast, um, and like someone from a, and someone from the med school admissions, like heard it. And then I got like, are you secretly racist, Michael? Is that no. what you're telling me? <laughs> no, but what I'm saying <laughs> is, is that like, man, like if someone like caught me like slipping up, like I'd feel awful. And so like, I feel awful for these people who like slip up like her Majorly. on a constant yeah. basis. Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of pity them, honestly. Like I, exactly. I it's like, I pity them. It's like, you're just so dumb and you don't know it. And it kind of makes me sad for them. Yeah. It's awful. It, it must, it must suck to carry such a huge burden. But yeah, with that, you also have to, you know, if you're high profile, you have to be like aware. <laughs> You got to be smart about it. You can't just say whatever you want. Like when a president calls something a China virus and causes a lot of hate crimes to happen just by perpetuating a stupid idea. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So he, he could have known better. She not didn't necessarily have to know better. Like, again, she like it's probably she is just that's just that's just being ignorant. But if you're like the president, like, come on, man. Yeah, that's a, that was. It's a, I think the difference is ignorance versus maliciousness, because like one is, you know, I generally didn't know what the fuck happened, and now I know, mm -hmm. and holy shit, I was wrong. And the other ones, I know specifically what I'm doing. I'm trying to deflect from my failures as a leader onto an external factor, so I don't take the blame. And it worked, unfortunately, for a lot of people, not for half of the country. Yeah. Have you made a huge mistake that you learned from? <laughs> I joke around about it. I would say like my huge mistake was going to Cleveland. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> of the weather. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, well, no, because uh, uh, of a couple of things. Like because of the weather, because like my grades really suffered. And I, again, like I had the strong belief that if I went like to, a, um, if I took an alternative route and stayed within California, I could have done academically better. But at the same time, I don't think that's a huge, uh, that's, 
I don't think that's like a mistake because it led me to where I am. Like all those experiences I had, like they humbled me, they made me a better person into who I am. But the mistake was again, just like, like in my mind, the mistake was suffering academically. And that's why like, I'm not, I feel like that's why I'm not in medical school yet. Had I taken an alternative route, done better academically in California, I'd be in medical school by now, like in my mind, I think so. But at the same time, I'd also be like one of those dick doctors with no empathy for anyone. And I would have been like fucking like an egotistical, like <laughs> asshole, like um, Dr. Strange before he was Dr. Strange. <laughs> the sad part is I, folks, is I could have seen this. I could have seen this for Michael. It, it would not, it would not have shocked me. And that's not like a judgment I'm passing on to you. It is a low key judgment. Um, All good. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, was, I was kind of like wondering this too, because like, you didn't wind up doing what you went there for. And I think that, you know, like you said, like the process of life and living and learning what you actually want to do is more valuable than I think any grades that you could have kept up and more uh, beneficial to you as a human being in general than, you know, getting perfect scores on things. I think that, uh, you know, some people kind of learn the hard way and that shapes them a lot more in a better impactful way. Like, I'm not saying that it was, you know, the most difficult decision of your life, the most difficult time of your life. But um, I know that when I went to school and I had to go through my learning process and change my, my life, like it reinforced the things that I thought were great about me and then chipped away the things that I did not like about me. Do you kind of feel like that they did the same thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Good for you. <laughs> Okay. Your turn. Oh, okay. Let's see. Uh, thankfully, I've crossed out the questions that I've already asked you. So, um, yeah, let me do that. I keep on forgetting. <laughs> you can do that while I'm uh, sifting through my questions. Okay. Here's a rather fun one. I, I think it's pretty fun. Um, how do you know? That you're getting old like is there a certain milestone in your life that you maybe personal milestone or milestone that you see in other people like you know like i feel like i'm getting old when uh i see people that i know getting married or having kids on purpose or getting houses like oh my god like <laughs> for me those are the milestones that's when i feel like oh shit like I, what am i doing where <laughs> i don't know you know like we're no longer kids <laughs> we're no longer high schoolers I've been how feeling. You know, you're getting old. How do I know I'm getting old? Turning I, 25, like I don't know, man. Yeah, like the fact that I can say I'm a quarter of a century year old, almost like that fucking terrifies me. And then you know, like I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty okay with what I, with what I'm doing and everything. But then to see, you know, like you said, people with houses already, people who have kids who are married, and I'm over here. I'm just trying to fucking live right now. <laughs> I'm just trying to be. I'm just trying to do me for a little bit. And it's not like I'm like broke, broke, but it's not like, like, like I don't have these giant, giant milestones that other people have. And like literally today, I saw on Instagram, uh, someone got married uh, today. And, uh, you know, like we, we don't, man. <laughs> we don't have, I don't have like, I don't have any history with them anymore after, you know, the whole fiasco that was our friendship relationship whatever sure, um, yeah. and it was just like oh i am getting old 
holy <laughs> shit holy fucking shit people i know are getting married i know people who have kids and i'm happy for them and i'm happy for everybody doing this shit but when it, when i when i think about myself and i'm not doing any of that mm-hmm. it makes me go like am i doing something wrong what am i doing that is wrong or what what do they know or what do they have about their life that they got they got their shit together and then part of me always kind of hopes that like you know it's them trying to like scrape stuff to get together you know and then i'm not the only one floundering because i'm pretty sure i'm not but i think what what kind of like cemented that i'm getting old was the fact that uh that my brother had graduated college was the most uh like eye-opening that you're old now uh, moment like once he graduated that's when i was like fuck wait i like, just like a year younger than us he, he yeah uh he's like uh he, he's two years in school behind us though okay or, or would be I see. yeah um and you know i was like fuck like the baby of this family is not a baby anymore and now he's gonna go do what he wants to do and i was like fuck holy shit <laughs> that that blew my fucking mind and then like as that happens i also kind of realized that my dad has more gray hairs i realized that you know that's he's, so sad he, he's could... like yeah it, it breaks your heart and you realize that like oh they're not as young as you remember them because like i still like always kind of saw my dad as like you know a guy who could carry me if he had to i mean i'm fatter now but like it's kind of always the mentality in the mental picture that you have of your parents. Um, and so you start to see, you know, not their faults, but you get to see them as human beings. And I think that's when the shift from, from the real shift into real adulthood is, is when you see your parents as human beings for the first time. And I, I kind of realize that more and more as time goes on, I've seen my grandpa age and seeing, you know, the, that process go down with my parents in the relationship with his dad and dealing with all of this change this subtle change and realizing it um i think that's when you figure out that you're old like i like can i can think about my goals i can think about my, about my, my aspirations all day long and because you know those will shift and change and develop into whatever the hell they're going to be but what you can't stop is the chain. The the the. the I was trying to think of what the phrase is, but the the beat of time, the fucking drum beat of time, whatever the fuck that phrase is. Yeah. You know, you can't the tide of time, something like that. You can't change it. It's beating onwards. It's it's continuing, and it always will be. And you know, me 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 being me, I'm not as put together as you. Uh, that is, that is a full fact, but. I'm not that put together, bro. <laughs> you are still more put together than I am. And that is the thing. Um, and, you know, it... Have you seen my kitchen? Like, it, like look at my apartment. I have, <laughs> I have three trash bags in my room that I need to take out. Like, I still live at home. Like, I still haven't, like, gone on my own big adventure for adulthood. Like, I I have to get my stuff together more. We're but, just typical millennials, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of the truth. Um, and to anyone listening, if you don't have like you know if you live at home that's perfectly valid i'm saving money like that's save fucking money like save money do what you, save money so you can do what you want and it's not a bad thing to stay with your parents um but like knowing where i want to be going knowing what i want to be doing and 
seeing like not a shift in like seeing the shift in my progress not be super rapid and then also to be cut short because of a fucking pandemic Mm -hmm. like hammers in that fact that you're old you know like i keep talking to my girlfriend gabby that like i was like i I need to i need to make more things i need to write more things i need to do more things i need to get my name more out there i need to connect more i need to do these more things and she's like slow down you're take you can take your time you can go on your own route and i'm always feeling like i can't i'm getting older that time that chance is always constantly slipping away and the more that you like casually walk towards the future the farther that goal is it's like if you take a slow pace that future is just going to keep on getting further and further and further and you're just going to be barely moving and so part of me always kind of feels like this needs to like run run towards that but at the other time on the other side the pandemic did also teach me that like taking time with your family is way 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 better than any hustling than any than any effort that you could make towards bettering yourself or bettering your future because these are moments you're not going to get back because you're going to get older like i i i could have uh i i haven't worked all this month i haven't worked all of june um i i, I freelance so you know i i i get called i hit up people i apply to things but i didn't work at all this month because the jobs that i had offered that i had offered to me were on the weekends and during the weekends i you know the first weekend i had gabby here because she's living with her parents and she has to take care of her mom who has uh who's sick and i want to spend time with her because she's managed to me and i don't get to see her all the time anymore and then the next weekend it was we were taking my dad to reno so we could have a fun birthday and then the next weekend after that, this was just this weekend, we went to San Diego to say, to him a grandpa to see his great grandkids. Like we were busy the entire time. And there's always that part of me that's like, you fucking idiot. Like you need, you need money. You know, you know that, right? You, you need money to survive in society. And I was like, yes, but I have a lot fucking saved up. I'm not dead. I'm not dying. I'm nowhere close to being dead broke. Like I'm chilling, but the memories that I got from this weekend, this past weekend and the weekend before that are more valuable to me than anything I could have been doing work-wise. Because frankly, sometimes it gets really fucking boring at work. And I'm sure you have the same mentality that sometimes just work is just boring (laughs) as fuck. Yeah. But when you're like disconnected from that and you're just in the moment with your family and around people that you care about, like, I think people need to realize that this, this is more necessary than you want it to be, you know, not saying that work is unimportant, but that work real life balance has been so out of whack for so long for so many people that I don't want to go back to this complete grind working five days a week for, you know, for a goal, which is, you know, great and everything, but you lose yourself, a lot of yourself along the way. And then soon the passage of time will happen and then you'll have gray hairs and then you'll see time slipping away faster. And then all this, this, this cyclical nature of, I wish I had more time because you people aren't taking the time that they have right now for these things. Yeah. Do you remember, um, have you seen the Adam Sandler movie on click? Yep. Way as a remote. Yep, I fucking like, love Click. Yeah, dude. Uh, at first, I, I, you know, when I saw it, like uh, before earlier in my life, I was like, okay, it was an okay movie. You know, it made me guffaw. But like upon look uh, rewatching it, like recently, I was like, wow, 
this has such a deep message. And as someone who's going through like that process of aging, <laughs> you know, and that like, you know, you got uh, where I learned to sacrifice like my career and like um, for like family time and like moments like, you know, that, that we enjoy just like growing up, like, uh, like it's, it's such a beautiful movie. <laughs> it's so weird it's because like underrated. It, it is super underrated because like click, it's, it's an Adam Sandler movie. So like I, Adam Sandler has this connotation of being goofy, silly, fun movies. And, you know, they don't take themselves too seriously but click is the one thing where like it got shown that if he wanted to he could be just as dramatic as fucking anybody like somebody doesn't give him credit for like it like when he's crying for his dad and like saying that he regrets just skipping oh the moment God. it's oh heartbreaking yeah. shout out to harry winkler henry winkler uh, uh because like that moment where he's like, how about I show you a chorus trick? And he's like, no, can't you see I'm working? Get out of here. Oh. And he just walks away sad. Oh. Breaks my fucking heart. I know. And, and you just see like Adam just being like, you fucking idiot. You are, you are skipping this moment. You are wasting everything. You this What is this life if you don't have people around you that you care about? And the message is great. The message is great. The movie is fun. The movie is awesome. It's got time travel and wackiness. And I love that. And I want to watch it again. You know what? Now that you brought it up, I, I want to watch it again. It's been a while. Yeah. Do you feel like you're fast forwarding through life? No, not at all. No, I feel like I'm I'm going at it pretty slowly. But that's just as someone going into like, or who with the hope of going into medical school. Like a lot of people go to medical school right after college. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, like I want to say 60 70 percent something like that and a couple of them take gap years you know the folks with like not as strong academic records like me um I feel like you know it makes me kind of sad like personally it makes me sad seeing people like um you know already like graduating at the same time as we did like um being in their fourth year of med school or their third year of med school it's like man I'm not even there yet and then like beyond med school like I've got a residency and fellowship to look forward to like that's just even more years. By the time I'm really financially like stable, I'll be like 30 or like in my, in my lower thirties, man. And that just kind of makes me sad, especially seeing like, again, as we've mentioned, like people getting married, people getting houses, et cetera. So I feel like I'm, I'm going at my pace and I'm okay with that. And I'm happy with that, but I feel like it could, I'm not fast forwarding at all. <laughs> do you, do you feel like you need to be fast forwarding? Like, do you feel like you, do you want to be where they are? Because I like, do. okay, but I take comfort in knowing that I will be like w- within the, these next couple of years. Hopefully, I, I know that I'm doing everything I can to be where they are, and that's what makes gives me happiness, I guess. And I think that's the point. Something that Gabby always tells me whenever I get down on myself because, like, I'm writing has always been my main passion, writing has always been my thing, and now it's shifted into specifically like screenwriting and stuff like that. Like I look at scripts that I've written and scripts that I see get made and movies that I see get made and things that I see get made. And it's always like, I could have written that. I could have done that if I had, you know, if I had gone to USC or something, if I had actually known I wanted to do this from the get go and I wasn't afraid in high school or something like that. And don't waste my, not not a waste of time, you know, pursuing what I wanted to, which is psychology. But more like if I had realized who I wanted to be before I had, you know, committed to something else, then maybe life would have been totally different. But the one thing that she always tells me is that you can't 
compare someone's successes to your normal life because you know you don't know how hard they struggled for everything you know maybe their hill was just as like fucking it was like their their hill was the himalayas and yours is you know the sierra nevada like that you don't know you don't know how they are you don't know who they are and then at the other times you know some people unfortunately get cakewalks in life some people get spoon fed all the way up until they're dead and that's just how the world works and you can't really do much about that you know and i'm not it's not like you can't say like life isn't fair but you know life is ambivalent is kind of the thing that i've adopted life life is mm. it doesn't hate you but also doesn't like you you know it's just it's just it just is it's like you do what you want in it and life will throw whatever the fuck it feels like throwing at you but you can't compare yourself to other people because like you are walking your own journey you know like there's people who i worked with uh last year on stuff that are working that worked on like the friends reunion like i know them i talk to them i worked with them and frankly like if i'm being i'm gonna sound like a dick but like i could be better than them <laughs> but they got to work on that and i didn't and that says something to not just me it says something about how i feel about myself but also how i think about other people you know like maybe they're you know more friendlier than i am maybe you know they're like more amicable maybe they're better like other certain skills that i just don't know and i have to stop comparing myself to that because i know what i'm good at and i know what i can do and i know what i can bring to the table whenever i get the chance to bring other things to the table you know yeah and the other thing that i also realized like you know comparison is the thief of joy I forgot where I heard that. It's a it's a famous quote from something from someone Whoa. from someone. <laughs> Whoa! Comparison yeah. is the thief of joke because whenever you compare yourself to other people, like you will always hate yourself. There is no situation where you compare yourself except to to lesser quote unquote people that makes you feel better. And even then, like I don't feel good if I compare myself to homeless. Like you know, I may not be you know uh, a clinical researcher, but at least I'm not homeless. Like, that doesn't make me feel good. Like, that's not a fucking good mentality to have. And I'm also not, you know, the fucking writer's assistant or in a writer's room or a staff writer or something like that. And the more I compare myself to them, it's just going to make me feel lesser. Like, there's no benefit to comparing myself to them. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm, I'm kind of the same mind as you. Like, you know, I see other people doing what I want to do. And as long as I know that I want to be where they are at without any like, like gel, you know, I need a little bit of jealousy to motivate me. Honestly, I need, I need a little bit of jealousy because otherwise I won't, yeah. I, I, I won't want to, if I don't want it, then, then why am I walking towards it? You know, right. Let's take my favorite song. One of my favorite songs from Hamilton is like, I want to be in the room where it happens. That's kind of how I adopt the mentality. I want to be in the room where like the stories get created. I want to be in the room where it happens. And if I don't have that, like that need, that like kind of like intrinsic jealousy of people who are doing that, then, you know, I don't really want it. But the thing that I can't do is compare someone's third base to my, you know, my, my, like, uh, my first bat, you know, like you can't really do it without hurting yourself and making yourself feel lesser. And the thing yeah. is like, you're not lesser. You're just taking your own path because you know, technically you're not who you are until you're dead. You know, you can mm -hmm. be taking your entire time in your life to do something amazing. And then 
you know, they can fuck it all up and then you can be, you know, just coasting through and, you know, end on a good note. And that's all that matters, you know? Hopefully that helped anybody that's listening. <laughs> it's a weird rant, but yeah, who knows? Okay. It is two hours in. And this oh. is the point of the show where I ask you if you want to ask one final good question each okay. or if you want to speed run through all of our remaining questions. Caveat. In the past, speed runs have never been speedy. They usually either double the time or, you know, just take longer anyways. Like, the, the, there's, it's up to you. I will try to keep you here for at least a half an hour more, by the way. No matter which way you, which option you choose, so choice is yours. Hmm. Uh, okay, so I'd love a speed run, and I'd love to get through all of our questions. Um, that's my preference. Okay, so speed round. So, do brand names matter? Why? And specifically, why are Apple users so elitist? Because I have never met a single Android, Galaxy, whatever the fuck else user who has looked down on anyone with an iPhone or looked down on anyone with any other phone and been like, Oh, you have the other phone, but almost every single Apple person that I've met has done that on sets on school at work. It's like, Oh, you have an Android or, Oh, you have a green text. I just want to know why not that specifically, but like, why do brand names matter? I love that you use that as an example because that's exactly what I did to you while we were scheduling this. It is. <laughs> that's what made me think of it. I was like, I now I now I'm curious because it's not like it's not an uncommon thing. I wish it was because I don't uh -huh. I don't give a shit. Like the thing that bothers me is that S, the S21, like the S21, the Galaxy series is like literally the almost equivalent to the iPhone in terms of like specs and hardware and everything. It's just you know Samsung brand, right? And then like it, I just to me it like. I've met more often than not people who have Apple phones go like, oh, this is, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say what kind of people, but they're, uh, you know, to stereotype them, they're Starbucks drinking, uh, hair twirling, <laughs> um, fair skinned folk um, who normally have done this to me. <laughs> so yeah. I just wanted to, to kind of touch upon it. Like, I, I get that iPhones are great. But I think galaxies are just as great, you know, like I've gone past the, my brand is better than your brand. So to me, I, I was kind of just like curious, like, why do you think brand names matter? Right. Remember those like PC versus uh, Apple commercials? Yeah. Those are always so fun. It made me think of that. Really they're, great. But, they're great. I know. Anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, personally, man, I, I, I appreciate like, um, I appreciate phones that are on iPhones um, for their strengths and which are like cameras. Your camera is going to be miles better than mine ever could be like, um, but so, so I personally don't think brand names matter necessarily, but with regards to iPhone, I feel like, you know, there is, there are those folk who are very elitist and they're like, oh, well, like they look upon, they look down upon people with like galaxies or like other devices. But when I do it, personally i do it just for fun I, I mean like i don't mean it yeah because like you like fucking a... called me afterwards on my phone like you're like i'm still gonna like <laughs> talk to you and shit <laughs> exactly yeah no no i mean like it's just for fun i'm just like playing games with people you know like but uh so to uh answer that uh to answer further um i feel like brand names can matter because you, you know you can be safe well at least with me i i'm safe in knowing that 
whatever I'm getting is a certain quality. You know, it may not always be like the best quality, you know, like iPhones like all religiously like fucking break after a year or two. But you know, no matter what it is, no matter what that quality is, at least it's consistent. And that's oh. why some people I think are afraid of moving from Android to um to other phones. Like that's why I'm afraid of going to other phones is because like I'm not used to it. And so I think that, you know, brand names like matter to some people because it's just what they're used to. You know, I, I, I find that probably very true because like I, the way that I was thinking about this too is like Coca-Cola versus Pepsi too. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a diehard old feud from the 1900s. But to me, and you fucking disagree with me. I, I like, I prefer Coke. I will always prefer Coke over Pepsi. Same. Whatever, yeah. whatever, yeah. like at this restaurant's like, is Pepsi okay? I'm going to be like, sure. But inside I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's not the same at all. I hate this very much. And to me, it's because, oh, Coke has the better, uh, you know, bubbliness, has the better, you know, taste. It has the better, I just think Coke is better. It like a little literally, bit more sugary. I like the taste better. Sugar. Yeah. Well, the thing is like when I drink Pepsi, it tastes sweeter than Coke does, but it doesn't feel as refreshing, mm. if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Like I feel refreshed after I drink a Coke because it burns the rest of me. And then Pepsi's like, oh, this is just sweet That's juice. Soda. But, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like they built that brand. They built that name. They built that quality of product. But then there's other things that like, I just don't understand. Like Louis Vuitton bags and like <laughs> designer clothing and designer things that are just overinflated prices for things that are made in factories. Just the same thing as everything else almost. Granted, I know that there's, you know, products and things and other uh, companies that actually specialize in making things in more intricate ways you know like we're using real leather using handmade leather etc and stuff like that but like take nike for example like it has a high price because you're paying for the name but the quality of the materials you're getting it's still a 20 dollars shoe but up to like a hundred dollars because because nike like in that situation to me like does why does that brand brand's name matters so much when the product that you're getting isn't necessarily that different from something from a competitor yeah at that point i agree with you i don't understand it either because like i get like i get whatever shoe like is cheapest man like <laughs> i don't care about my shoes i don't care about certain like uh you know those like um uh of those you're not like a sneakerhead or anything no, no, I'm not. I like, <laughs> I'm not one of those people who thinks too much about what I wear. Like, <laughs> as long as it's nice and it, like it matches, you know, like, cool. <laughs> but uh, like my mom, on the other hand, she's very like status conscious, you know, she's like very like brand name, brand name. But that's because like, you know, I, I feel like for her, she's a realtor. And so for her, um, like her, her image is her market. Like it, it's a representation of her market. So like mm -hmm. if she wears or has these like, this fancy stuff it means that she's doing well and that means that oh and if you see a realtor doing well it means that you can trust them so like it's important for some people because of that and i understand that um but but at the same yeah. time like personally like like i i can understand that but at the same time like doesn't it just kind of over inflate things in general because like i'm saying this because like, like we see on instagram stuff like you just see people wearing designer things and promoting other types of brands all the time constantly to mm -hmm. kind of create this air of elitism not necessarily but like you know 
I look good in this. So you might look good in this, but there is that a little, like, little twinge of, I look better in it than you do almost, or I look, mm. or I am better than you because I have this. Yeah. And because like what you were saying about your mom, like it is part of her selling herself. And I know these people on Instagram are selling themselves too to, to markets and stuff like that for sponsorships. But at what point does it become overly ridiculous? You know, because there, 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 there is, there is going to be a point where the thing that you're selling and the thing that you're making is not worth like the, 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 the math of materials that you're making and the brand name just don't, they're not equal at all. Like I'm thinking of like specifically Nike is one of those companies that I think the same thing. Like they're, they're cheap shoes. They're, they're literally super cheap, but they sell them for high prices. And then this isn't just not Nike's problem. This is all just, you know, shoemakers. Cause they're trying to squeeze out as much money as they can, which is, you know, the nature of business. But like, at what point do, do like we as like consumers go like, what's the fucking point of paying for a name? Like when, when people were having Supreme, like Supreme shirts back in the day, like, oh my god! <laughs> like to me, I was like, "What the fuck? Why are you paying for a generic ass black like sweatshirt with just the word Supreme on it, and it's like a hundred bucks?" Like to me, I just could never. I could never. I still don't understand it because the materials are the same as something else, but I'm paying for a stupid logo on it. Right. I I think that I'm more of like this is like where my like lack of fashion sense maybe comes in mm-hmm. because i'm sure there's like like fashion things that like you know that makes sense to pay the high price for like i bought shoes called Allbirds because they're made with like sustainable materials and you yeah. know the company tries to have a low reduced carbon footprint and it's not plastic there's no plastic in my shoes that's a very different kind of like purchase as opposed to just getting like a nike's things for its name you know I don't, I, I don't know. This is, this is just one of the things that I kept on thinking about. Like, what is the point? Yeah. I'm afraid I'm as stumped as you, my friend. Like, I, I don't know. There's, there's all sorts of trade-offs when you think about it. For instance, you're, you're trading like, a, you know, you're, you're paying a higher price for a material that's like, that's better for the environment. That's like saying like, you know, when mm-hmm. you go to Trader Joe's, you're paying a shitload more than is, is if you were going to like a, uh, grocery outlet bargain market or something but mm-hmm. it's like organic material like i don't know man <laughs> yeah all sorts of trade-offs with stuff like that that's true speaking of which i bought a mattress recently i bought uh-huh. a purple mattress and i did not want to buy into like the brand marketing but okay because it was like, oh, it's better than a bunch of other like memory foam stuff. And I was like, all right, okay, I get your marketing. Like, you can put eggshells on here, and they won't break. Neat, neato. <laughs> and then I laid down on it, and I was like, God, oh, Jesus, there's a reason why the word of mouth travels far with these things. It's the best thing I've ever slept on. There we go. I, Th- yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing. Like, this is like where the good branding comes in because you built a product that is good, and your name is associated with the greatness of the product, and then it continues. Like Apple does this. That's why I'm not like faulting anyone. Like Apple is a great has a great product. They make great mm-hmm. things. The things that they do are good but but at what point does it get too ridiculous to me i think in fashion it gets that de- it gets there in super fa- quickly it gets Agreed. there so quickly because i remember seeing like gold plated like like jewelry and stuff that is normally like the like the golden materials in it is worth like maybe ten thousand, and the design isn't even that impressive but because it's made from a specific company it's like it's like ten thousand dollars because it's specifically this designer and I just, 
at what point is it ridiculous? At what point do people think it's ridiculous? I don't know. Question Anyways. for the audience. Question for the audience. Answer that for yourself. What brands are worth the money? Um, for me, clothing brands are, just, if I can afford it, cool. Does it feel comfortable? Does it fit me? Do I look okay in it? Sweet. Good. I buy stuff at Old Navy. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't need to buy stuff from other places really. Um, maybe that says something about, you know, how I present myself, but whatever. Okay. Your turn. Question. Yeah. All right. Let me see. Uh, scrolling down. Okay. Uh, all right. So I have three more questions to ask you. This is, uh, no, four more questions. Uh, this is one of them. Um, so would you rather be rich or happy? Um, and a follow-up would be, uh, what if being rich made everyone you care about happy except for you? I want to say happy because then I would hopefully be not rich, but like comfortable with what I'm doing, like to where I wouldn't have to worry about like bills or something. <laughs> because like, like rich, rich is an infinite question, you know, like, yeah. do I want to be like, you know, own a house in like Evergreen Hills rich, or do I want to be Beverly Hills rich, or do I want to be Jeff Bezos rich, like, or Elon Musk rich? Like that is, that is an infinitely expanding question. I don't know how their lives are going. Um, and I'm sure it's a lot of great, but it's also definitely a whole lot of chaos within it too. Like I, I, I don't envy billionaires at all. Um, but you know, they never have to worry about anything. They never have to worry about paying bills. They they have the liquidity, they have the money, they can do it. So like they don't have, so that like all that, worry goes out of the way like all the survival issues go out of the way and their issues become bigger bigger problems you know that mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that they're happy either because they have bigger thing bigger fish to fry essentially yeah um, and more people to exploit and then there's this other part of me that like knows that if i had the money if i had the chance i would support the people around me i would help out as often as I can, I would help however I could because I, I'm naturally not necessarily generous person, but I don't want for too much for myself, to be honest. Yeah. I, I'm, 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 I'm literally the kind of person that if I have my notebook and uh, my notebook to write in and a place to play video games and watch stuff and a place to sleep, <clears throat> I don't give a fuck about anything else. <laughs> I, I really, I really do not. Like I only upgraded this stuff because I could and like I felt like I could because I could afford it. But if I had those three things, like it, I could live in a freaking apartment that's like the size of a closet and I would still probably be okay as long as I had, you know, my ability to, <clears throat> to game, to, you know, consume my media and also to write. And it wouldn't be phased. I still wouldn't be phased. I kind of accepted that too. Like there's, there's always this idea of, um, that I had of moving to LA and being a starving artist. And I'm glad I didn't do that because it's fucking stupid. I can go over there and be a working artist. Um, and like, I kind of realized like, I don't need a lot to be happy, but 
you know, money never hurts. Money never hurts. <laughs> <laughs> money can only make everything a little bit easier. Like that's the whole point of it. Having more money, it always just makes life a little bit easier. You let worry about less. And I think that if I had to be rich and make, but be unhappy, but everyone else around me was happy, I would hate life. I would, I would, I would absolutely hate it. I, cause like, I don't want to put other people through necessarily like hardship, but but I, I already have I already have issues dealing with my own happiness. Mm-hmm. If I were rich and I, you know, had money, but I was unhappy, having that that mental disorder still holding me back. And the fact that if I was rich, I could afford therapy and it still didn't help this negative feeling within me. Like the ultimate uh, problem would be, you know, dealing with that. And then that would make it. So it's, it's fucked up as it sounds. And and, and making my, myself oof an inevitability. And that to me sounds fucking horrible. Yeah. Um, because that's the one thing that I want to avoid because I feel it not constantly, but more often than any person, than no people should, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I always think that I'd rather be happy than to be rich because to me, I won't be happy unless I'm, you know, telling the stories that I want to do and living comfortably off of it. And that's, that's all I want. That's all I want in life. Yeah, I get that. I don't care if I don't, you know, make it the bestsellers list. I don't care if I don't, you know, put movies that are on like millions of screen, uh, millions of screens on millions of theaters or whatever. But if I can, you know, live doing what I want to do, then that's that's perfectly fine for me. That is all I need to be happy. As long as I can tell my stories and not worry about bills, then I am happy. Because the other aspect, just you know, it sounds great, but also sounds like torture. Hmm. What would you? What about you? Would you rather be rich or rich or be happy? And the same, just literally throwing your question back at you. Yeah, um, I've asked this question to a lot of people. Um, so in my fraternity, it was my stumper question. Each of uh, each of us had like a question that like we do like a interview with another brother or a potential new member, and we had a stumper question. So that was mine. Um, I always answered happy because at the end of the day, like you know, I could have all the money in the world and whatnot. But if it's not like if I, I feel like I'm not truly being like, you know, I'm not truly like fulfilled on the inside, then what's the point? It's not worth it. But I added this caveat, like in my question where um, where I asked, like, because this is something I just made up on the spot today, like what being rich made everyone you care about happy except you. That made me really think about changing my answer, because I. I do get a lot of happiness from making people around me happy and um I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just one person. If I can make as many people in the world as possible, like if I could impact their life, if I can make things better for them, that's better for humanity in the long run. That's, I I don't care. Like if, you know, like, I don't care what happens to me. I care about what happens to other people. I care about like the betterment of humanity, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So if I were to be rich, but so if you're Bill Gates kind of rich and Bill Gates kind of mentality where he gives back to humanity a lot. I don't I mean like 
he doesn't give all his money back. To no, he, he doesn't. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but if I were enough. like, yeah, but yeah, I would do that. I would, I would absolutely like sacrifice my own, own happiness for the um, betterment of, or betterment of the quality of life of the people that I around me or that I care about. Oh, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a perspective I didn't even like think about. Like, well, I, I mean, cause like I was thinking more like, you know, having family and like think like supporting family. Like this is a broader question that, you know what? That's a very, it's almost like self-sacrificial almost like that pretty much is what it is. I yeah, guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's self-sacrificial. It's like, I'm going to hate my fucking life, but you guys are going to have a great time. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who like, go through yeah, that. there's probably definitely a lot of people. to me. It's that's like kind of like the same. It's like the same idea as the reluctant King. Do you know, do you know this like trope? No. It's it's a trope in Lord of the Rings. It's Aragorn. It's Aragorn's uh okay. uh like arc. It's that like he has to sacrifice what he wants to be and do. And he's unwilling to do that because you know he feels his own failings, but then he sacrifices it for the betterment of everyone else. And I'm not saying he's like necessarily unhappy, but it's a kind of like same mentality that like hmm. I'm not doing this for myself necessarily, I'm doing it for everyone else. And it's a it's a really good trope. I kind of like it. I think it's not the model government, obviously, but any leader who is any, any leader who is worth being a leader, I think doesn't do it out of some like need to have power, but does it out of some need to help other people like literally at the detriment to themselves. I think that's what makes a good kind leader. Obviously other people have different interpretations of that, but if you had Bill Gates money, what would you, what would you invest in to help the betterment of humanity? definitely food Food. Uh, like food for people who can't afford to have food or like um like i feel like just the necessity of life you know food um place to live food that that's it that's all it really comes down to you know everyone has their basic human needs and i think those are the things that there are people out there that lack and i i feel like there's like if i had if you can handle uh, that part of the hierarchy yeah Exactly. I, I feel like I, I'd be, I'd want to help that. Yeah. It's not a bad answer. Yeah. Uh, uh, so a little anecdote about that question. I asked that to my mom back when I was like a little bit younger, um, like 18. And my mom goes, she goes, that's a stupid question, son. I'd rather be rich. <laughs> and i'm like what and she's like something you don't understand michael is because maybe it's because you're too young but money buys happiness I'm like mom but what if like some sort of your life isn't fulfilled you know what if like um you, and my mom's like what do you, uh i'm like what if your life your love life isn't fulfilled and my, my mom goes what do you mean your dad's boring <laughs> I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and she's like if i had all the money in the world i could buy whatever purses i wanted there's your answer, Michael. And you should think that way. That's how you become <laughs> successful in life. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> she missed the entire point. <laughs> I will. Here's the thing. Like, I don't think she did because I, I, from, from, I guess from my understanding of why people like say that is because it doesn't necessarily buy you happiness. It eliminates stress. Money eliminates stress mm-hmm. because you, you don't have to worry. Like you were saying, when people are starving and they don't have a place to live, they're constantly worrying and they're constantly stressed out. And if you have enough money, you can take care of that immediately. And then if you have even more money, you can take them out of all the other, you know, on the hierarchy of needs for people pretty, pretty easily because you'll have the ability to actually pursue these things. 
like someone who has to work every day to pay rent to you know eat breakfast to eat dinner doesn't really get to explore their self-fulfillment because they're too busy worrying about literally surviving so i can kind of get that from like what she's coming from because i feel like the same thing happens with like a bunch of other immigrant parents like they know like true poverty i think a lot of the time like that's usually what like pushes them to kind of come to the united states and pursue something better but at the same time you did that i didn't ask to be born so i'm gonna do what i want (laughs) and it kind of sucks because i know that i'm like the black sheep of the family and i'm doing my own thing and like it's not necessarily like a bad thing but i know i could have been doing i guess grander more money making things like i could become a business major i could have understood how to make a business how to run a business and stuff like that just wasn't in my wheelhouse i guess mm-hmm. okay since we're talking about humanity do you think humanity has peaked and what ways do you think it has and what ways has it not all right that's a really good question um I don't think we've peaked, especially technologically speaking. You know, like I, I feel like there's always so much, much more we can do. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like 20, 30 years ago, we didn't have like, we didn't, oh, we had phones, but we didn't have like literal computers within our pockets where we could like whip, whip out something, read the news, whip out, whip out this little device and play video games, you know? Like, who knows? Like, what's going to happen another 30 years? Like, maybe nuclear war, but like, <laughs> uh, uh, if that doesn't happen, then like, I'm sure that we'll, you know, we're going to recreational space travel is like uh, something that people are talking about. Like, I think in many ways we have not peaked, especially when it comes to technology and, um, you know, just quality of life things that are constantly improving on the, on a daily basis. Um, I think in terms of like, ethical standards like a morality sort of like if we're talking about that then i don't then in some ways that we've kind of like taken a couple steps backward like i i feel like you know especially with all the racist shit that's happening nowadays um and things like that i i feel like that there are definitely areas where we've uh where we haven't progressed as far as we needed to like, you know, I always think that like America's racist. Like I, I think of the, like, you know, I think of my experiences and my the experiences of people experiences of people I know. And I'm like, man, America's pretty racist, but we're not throw but throw bananas at players, like basketball players racist. People do that shit in Europe. <laughs> like they throw bananas onto the field at like at like black soccer players or whatever. And that's Jesus. like I know, right? And so like <laughs> it's crazy, dude. It's it's like we're, we're 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 we got we got our shit to deal with, but we're also not as bad as other places. We're, that's kind of how I feel about stuff like that too. Yeah. I wish we could get to a point where the idea of racism is so old-fashioned that it, it it's almost as bad as thinking that like the earth is flat <laughs> too bad that made a comeback too <laughs> exactly there's always you know there's always that group of people it's kind of part of why i think humanity hasn't peaked because there's still this like these like dumb ignorant things that haven't been like boiled out or weeded out of society I think the discovery of aliens will change that. 
I think the discovery of aliens will change so much. <laughs> I because like this is this is like the whole premise of like the idea that aliens existing, um, being a fundamental change in humanity's nature is the truth. It is one hundred percent the truth. Have you ever watched The Expanse? I have not. You should watch The Expanse okay. um, because in that they kind of com- humanity kind of gets to confirm that they're not alone in the universe, and that fundamentally shifts. To me, I know that fundamentally shifts the way that humanity sees itself in the grander scheme of things. And then it also shifts the way that, you know, humans exist in the universe. Because if there's another being, you're not necessarily unique anymore. You are just another thing that can die out, just like whatever it is, just like any other species, just like any other piece of life. And it's both the most humbling and most extraordinary moment because it'll show you that, hey, you're not alone. You got that answer to that question. But they came here because they're better than you or more technologically <laughs> advanced, technically, not necessarily better. But they got here. They got to Earth. What the fuck are you going to do about it? If they wanted to, they could wipe you out. That's that's the whole scenario of alien movies is that if they came to Earth, they'd wipe us out. Personally, I don't think aliens would do that because there's so many other ways to wipe us out that don't involve having to come here. They could throw fucking meteors. <laughs> they can blow up the sun they could literally do anything else to to kill humanity like i hate the movies that are like aliens are here to kill humans i'm like this this (laughs) is the fucking stupidest like cold war bullshit ever but like if aliens did visit it it would fundamentally alter so many religions it fundamentally alters so many so many governments it would cause so much chaos (laughs) it would cause it would yeah, it would change. I think it would change racism. People will be like, we'll go from, oh, yeah, you know, they won't see color anymore. They won't see like black, white, brown, etc. They'll see like two legged versus four legged or like yeah. whatever. Or like gray, a big gray, big, uh, big, huge, like black eyes and gray skin versus, you know, on, on average, pink humans and stuff like that filled with blood yeah. that's red. <laughs> like, I think it would fundamentally change things for a lot of benefits, which is why I'm kind of excited that like, they kind of found like that um there's this uh this gas or this chemical that can only really be made or as far as we know can only really be made by uh organic uh, uh material here on earth okay. and the, the atmosphere is a venus and that they're going to send probes to explore that and just to see that because even that just seeing if there's life there if there is will fundamentally change things too you know it'll it'll be a humbling and uh not can't find the fucking word you're a writer Cisco. what the fuck are you doing <laughs> um it'd be a humbling moment but also a very big ex- explosion of uh of discovery i guess is the closest thing i can say that's so bad Nicole, i get what you mean wow. though no, i get what you mean yeah do you want to see aliens huh do you want to see aliens do i want to see aliens yeah Oh hell yeah, dude! Like that'd be that'd be dope. <laughs> I like the idea of it. Um, I like you know I saw this video a little while back of like, and it was one of those regular videos you see on Facebook. You know, it started from like a microscopic scale, like an atom, and then just expands and expands and expands. Um, you know, like to like it expands from an atom to like a, a to a bigger molecule to water to like an ant to like etc. And it went all the way out to the 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 universe and it made me think like dude there's no possible way that we're alone <laughs> there's there isn't I, I think there's zero chance that we are 
And I think Whether the idea not, that can... people think that we're alone, I think that's stupid. Have they seen this video on Facebook? Because like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, to me, to me, that's like just screams out the hubris of humanity. Like, like thinking that we're the best shit. It's like the same thing as like the, like the idea that the, the sun revolves around the earth. It's so egotistical. Mm-hmm. That I just, I, I can't, I can't subscribe to it. Whether or not they can visit us, that, that could be argued, you know, like at Infinium. But like, I don't, I doubt, I sincerely doubt that we're the only aspect of life. Because if we are, that's fucking sad. That is the saddest fact <laughs> of all time. If we're the only <laughs> only beings that can think about the universe around them and we're over here killing each other on this same fucking rock for eons, like that's fucking sad. That is fucking sad. But hey, man, like space is like near infinite, right? But so mm-hmm. is time. And there could have been uh, like places in time and like you know in a galaxy far far away or etc where yeah. like shit like star wars happened <laughs> yeah yeah if only we got to see it uh-huh okay. your turn is it my turn yes oh shoot okay okay scrolling 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 i inv- okay i got one yeah okay sorry oh what i was gonna, i think i was gonna add on to my question in case anyone was curious uh I would say I don't think humanity has peaked, uh, but I fear we may be going to a dark ages. Anyways, continue your question. Is it because of like nuclear war, et cetera? It's because like, of climate like... change. Climate change. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. I, th- I think we'll return to kind of like feudalism in a different form. And, you know, we'll have a lot of technological advances and stuff like that, but, you know, we'll have a minimal population. Mm. It'll be tough. It'll be tough. I don't think it will have minimal population though, because like, sure, let's say like a shitload of natural disasters happen, but like, humanity adapts. Yeah, will adapt to it at the rate that at at the rate that things are going. You were saying. Yeah, I would hope so. I, that's it's kind of what I've always been like worried about. Like, how does how do how do we adapt to? Because I I'm just assuming that you know climate change is irreversible at this point, because I'm sitting here in fucking what was it like what was it on the hottest day like 103 just in normal here like that's that's a normal it's gonna be a normal summer day two years from now and that's that's yeah. terrifying this is the cold i hate saying this but this is the coldest summer for the next 25 for the next century for forever this is the coldest summer enjoy it because from here on out it's just gonna be a hotter summer a hotter summer and a hotter summer mm-hmm. but um I like I like I, mean, I think I agree. I think the advances that we make are like just we're we're gonna survive. I'm pretty sure we're gonna survive, but it's gonna be a very very uh, downtrodden cyberpunk kind of future. To be honest, that's what I that's kind of what I figure would happen. Yeah. Anyways, your question. All right. Um, shifting from uh, climate change, but like sort of related to the future, I guess. Anyway, um, my question is: Do you invest? because <laughs> this is something that i got into like maybe like five weeks ago and it's mind-boggling and it's frustrating and i hate it but like i do it <laughs> yeah that's kind of like i i invest in a couple things um i invested in, in, in a meme i invested in uh dogecoin for the fuck of it because i had like money in robin hood and i didn't want to transfer it out so i literally okay. was like fucking memes but i actually invested in amc um like like legitimately like i actually actively care about you know amc and its stock and you know, it's cool. I, I, I need to invest more into other companies. I think I chose AMC because it's pretty, it's pretty easy to like to 
you know, follow the goings on of a single company that has a single, you know, purpose, which is to make theater chains and to promote movies and to push movies out. So it's kind of easier for me to connect with it because one filmmaker and then two, um, it's not, it's not complicated. You know, I don't have to think about too much. It's like, are the movies going to be made and theaters going to be opening? Cool. Sweet. Now I know I'll get money. Whereas if I get invested in something that were, you know, like a, like a, like a, something that recently just came out uh, publicly, like a startup or something. Yeah. I would have to do a lot more research and a lot more understanding about what that company's goals are, what they intend to do, what they have created already, et cetera, and stuff like that. It would involve more research, which isn't, you know, terrible. It's just that, I don't have the capital to kind of invest in things like that completely because mm-hmm. I don't have, I don't have things to gamble. So yeah. like I don't have money, extra money laying around to kind of just um, to not play the stock market. Like I don't like the idea of playing the stock market because that's what, that's what uh, all these, like, a lot of cryptocurrencies are right now. It's play. It's, it's gambling. It's people pumping and dumping a bunch of shit and fucking over a lot of other people in like this weird, um, not cult like, but like, MLM ish almost kind of way, at least when it comes to like the like shit coins and stuff like that, yeah. and and that's like, you know, that's really fucking dumb in general. Like it's, it's just to me investing like that is ridiculous. But you know, like investing in companies that you believe in, like you know Tesla, SpaceX. Um, I don't think SpaceX is public yet, but um, investing in companies like like that, essentially, like you investing in companies that you think have a good future or are good for humanity or good for the general public, like that's that's vastly different, you know. Or investing in Amazon because you know Jeff Bezos is making money off of it. Like those are different kind of uh, situations that you could invest in. But I don't have, I don't feel the need, I guess, to invest in companies like that right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I I do invest a tiny tiny bit. I'm making money off of AMC pretty much and that's cool i'm not yeah. talking about any of the other losses because no one ever wants to talk about those <laughs> i can talk about my losses <laughs> oh how much have you lost oh my god I, well i gained it all back actually oh, as day, i finally broke even but anyway nice. it took a month it took like five weeks so i invested in doge when i was at like 70 uh 70 cents man 70 cents Oof. I invested at like basically its peak. Like the average of my stock, like when I bought it, was like sixty-seven. It went up because uh, that's when I got into it. I was like, "This is amazing! I love stocks. I just made like two hundred bucks in like one hour. This is amazing!" <laughs> and then it all just like crashed. Whoo. Yeah, so I put in a, a, a thousand. That was all my invest, all the money I put into investing. I put a thousand into Doge. It went whoo, to like five hundred something. And this was around the time when I heard. That, uh, it, it just simmered around 500 something. I was like, it'll pick up, but no, it didn't. Anyway, it simmered around that that much for a little while, and then I heard like around late May, early June that like uh, AMC was gonna explode, and I was like, ooh, this is cool. So I put in some money from Doge to AMC, and then I finally broke even. <laughs> nice. Good, good shit, good shit. That's basically I, the, the same thing, like same situation. Like I, I bought in at Doge when it was seven cents for a hundred bucks. Bro, <laughs> do you know how much I like? There was a peak where I made fourteen hundred. I could have made fourteen hundred dollars if I sold that when it was at seventy cents. Yeah, from a hundred bucks, and I was like, ah, that's 
this was literally just me memeing a hundred bucks away. Like I felt like I was going to lose this because I don't know anything about cryptocurrencies. And like, <laughs> I, I don't want to actually like legitimately invest in this because I don't know enough about it yet. Yeah. Um, like now I know about Ethereum and like a bunch of other coins that actually are worthwhile, but fuck, if it picks up to like, like even 50 cents again, that'd be fucking awesome. That's still, that's still a good profit for a lot of people. Are there any companies that you feel like you want to invest in? Um, all the companies I think I'm investing in are the ones I want to invest in. So okay. like, like AMC saved my ass. <laughs> yeah. But I actually, I pulled out a, a lot of money. Once AMC started like, you know, kind of chilling at like 50 bucks, whatever, or whatever it's at right now. I, um, I took out some of my money from AMC, all the money all of my money out of doge because it's still going down yeah yeah fuck that <laughs> i like the reason why i'm not like literally pulling it out is because i don't like looking at robin hood like I, I literally just don't want to think about it don't like, think I, about I, it <laughs> I, I pissed away the hundred dollars that's 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 my mentality it, i lost hundred <laughs> bucks that's it it's gone yeah, and so yeah yeah <laughs> so at least it's not a thousand man at least you didn't lose like 600 bucks so yeah almost, that like <laughs> that that i am not i am i'm not envious of that <laughs> i was so sad uh for that like three weeks anyway yeah so i pulled out some money i invested in uh in uh cruise lines oh because yeah because yeah. these people are gonna go cruising now exactly so yeah th that's another one of my that's one of my money makers so that uh maybe like two other stocks and just random companies that have been doing pretty well i think they're like biotech companies i don't even know their names off the top of my head but they're doing okay. <laughs> you're just like you just saw the port like the like the like the portfolio stuff and you're like all right neat Bro, I see the curve. Yeah, I look at the curve. I see like what was really, really like high at one point. Then the pandemic hit, it goes down. And then whatever has potential to go back up to that that peak again, like cruise lines, for instance, and airlines, like that's why I invested. <laughs> yeah, like the same thing with theaters. Like they, they were doing perfectly fine exactly. beforehand. Then, you know, fuck, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back. Like people are going to theaters. I want to go see In the Heights with my family. Like I'm going to go to the, see Black Widow in theaters. I'm going to see whatever movie from here on out. I'm vaccinated. I'm chilling. I'm going to go see things in theaters. Yeah, dude. Do you, uh, speaking of investing, do you? I remember this. Uh, there, there's this high school memory that uh, I think you were in my econ class with Mr. Cadenasa, right? Yes, I believe so. I think so. Yeah, I remember. Like we had that game where we pretended to invest like a hundred grand into stocks. Remember we had to like chart it out, like like pinpoint like oh how much we're gaining or losing. Mm -hmm. You were the only one. You were the only one in that class. I don't know if you remember it, because but I remember it of you. You were the only one that actually gained after one month. Everyone else lost a little bit. <laughs> you were the only gain. It was like five percent or something, but that's still money, right? And I was like, I was like, damn, dude, that's awesome. And so that's why I asked you the investing question was because well, I, like I remember this guy was like relatively savvy. Like, <laughs> well, it's because like it's, to me, I, I think what I, what my mentality was is the same one as I have now. It's like companies that have a good you know basis that also still innovate. I think that was the goal. Like I think I remember like playing my, with Microsoft back then, and then a, a few other like tech companies. Like I knew Microsoft was definitely on the list because I was an Xbox fanboy. But I also do appreciate Microsoft's like effort as a company. Um, and so I kind of was just like companies that I know that I already have a good backing that always innovate in the future and they're good things to bet on basically, you know, the good horse. I think, I think it's, I think it's the stability that I was aiming for, mm. you know, I think that's what it was. I think aiming for stable things, you know, doesn't necessarily get you a lot of money, but it will, you'll get your return on your investment, hopefully. Because like if Microsoft, you know, figures out their whole shortage of like Xbox situation, their stock is going to go up right now. If the whole chip shortage gets sorted out, all those, you know, manufacturers, their stock's going to go up. Like, 
they're all very stable businesses and business practices. And the only thing they can do is really go up because it's just, that's what, that's what it's the stock market's for. Things will either climb it up and then balance out whenever they feel like they need to. Cause like a Tesla's overinflated, like Tesla's not really necessarily worth what it is right now, but people want it to be. And so it is because value is arbitrary. <laughs> like the whole, like the whole thing that I've realized about stocks is that value is arbitrary as hell. Mm-hmm. And stupid doge <laughs> yeah because like value is arbitrary like to you that was that was a fucking devastating loss and to me i memed myself into money and it doesn't fucking mean anything except that numbers go up and go down like i i hate the, yeah. the wall street bets like apes like like you're we're just dumb apes investing in things but it's kind of fucking true because <laughs> because like Money doesn't fucking mean it doesn't mean anything anymore, and that's what cryptocurrency is trying to prove: is that like the worth that you you ascribe to something is based on the society around you. You know, yeah. Like Tesla is worth what it is because people want to give Tesla the investment because they like what it does. They like what it's doing for the planet, for themselves, and it's a good product. Like they make good things. Like, it's just people want to invest in it because they like the idea. They like the stock. And that pushes it higher and higher and higher. And not because it's actually worth that much, but because people like it. And then it is wild because that also feeds back into the entire branding of it, which makes it more valuable because people think it's valuable. So more people that think it's valuable will buy more into it. And it's a good thing because Tesla is making electric cars. So I can't be like upset. Like I can't be upset about the memory because yeah. that's what it's all that this kind of makes me feel. It's, it's gambling and memory, but you know, the worth of actually, you know, putting money to help some businesses out is worth it. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree. Yeah. I, think it's I would have turn. loved, I would have loved if Doge went to a dollar though. That would have been amazing. I would have loved that too. Believe me, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I feel you. I know you would. I, that would have been like, I, that would have been the saving grace. The fact that it got to 70 cents was absolutely amazing. <sighs> but the thing is that the second that like Elon stopped tweeting about it, like even in a non-joking way is the second that it was going to die because he was the one that was manipulating <laughs> that the most. But Hey, like with people are actually like, not like taking it seriously, but to me, like, I think you should treat Dogecoin as like 50 cents, you know, like, like pocket change. Mm-hmm. If you treat it like pocket change, I think you'll be happier off. And like you treat, you know, Bitcoin, like the big investment that it is. Cause it's a fucking what? 40, $40,000, even, even yeah. after all the crashes, like that's like maybe an actual cryptocurrency. But to me, like Dogecoin is like, Oh, I can buy some snacks with this. I think that's, I think that's a better way to kind of handle these ridiculous meme coins okay yeah. what's your cringiest memory from adolescence your best and worst Ooh. okay no what's your cringiest memory from adolescence and then i'll ask the second half after okay uh cringiest memory uh, my go-to answer i um was let's see i was playing the final like couple minutes it was in the final like 50 30 seconds of this basketball game in middle school and um the and we were like two point no we were one point uh shy from uh making it into the playoffs 
basically right and and you know like i have uh, i got this rebound like one of my teammates missed i had the rebound everyone around me fell down except for me i don't know what happened but they all fell down and i was the only one standing up and i had the ball in my hand i was like eight feet under the rim and then i don't know if i panicked i, I don't know if it was my poor shot mechanics at the time but anyway like i missed the shot and so that wasn't necessarily cringy but it was it was like embarrassing and i felt that so 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 bad for it for like years <laughs> oh dude that sucks yeah but now like it doesn't matter you know whatever yeah, like, yeah it's, just, it's a middle school basketball game it's yeah, relevant yeah. at this point but i'll damn that sucks yeah i'll tell you even more cringy story that happened in middle all school. right let's go okay okay so um there's there's this girl i had a crush on uh and like and I told, you know, one or two people about it. And then they told one or two people about it. And then like this group that I hung out with, they're like, dude, you should go to her right now. What's stopping you? Go, go to her. I'm like, she's surrounded by her friends. Go to her and ask her on a date. You'll, you'll regret it if you don't. And I said, okay, whatever. So I do it. And I was like, you know, every, all my homies are backing me. I feel good about this. I go to this girl. I pull her out of a friend group. If she and I are friends, um, <laughs> and, and and i go hey can i talk to you for a second she's like yeah sure thing um this is where it gets cringy i was so nervous to ask her out that i whispered in her ear do you want to go out I, it was so fucking cringy and, and then she whispered back and she said no and i was like "Ooh, <laughs> but but you know what I, it was extremely cringy but if you hadn't right. have done it huh if you hadn't have done it you would be like huh i wonder exactly bro <laughs> exactly but i look back on that moment i'm like the way i did it was so cringe <laughs> that's okay i think that's beautiful though because it's like that's that's adolescence that is that is growing up that is figuring things <laughs> out in the most beautiful chaotic kind of way dude like i i hate thinking of all the cringy stupid shit i've done like i, I legitimately blocked out the memories and i can't access them anymore but <laughs> yeah that cringe to me is amazing because <laughs> but then you also learn right like you you figured out your answer you never spent worrying time worrying you got to you know water off a duck's back exactly <laughs> and then you learn not to do that <laughs> it was just the manner in which i did i fucking whispered in her ear like like telling her secret like oh my god i'm You're so like, hey little mama let's whisper in your ear yeah basically like <laughs> what what in my mind like told me that was acceptable i mean I mean, I you were nervous. Know. You were you were a nervous kid. Like I, I don't see it as a good. I, I understand it. I, I understand. <laughs> it. I understand it. Yeah. Okay. And then, what is your best and worst memory from adolescence, and why are they your best and worst? That was my worst. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Probably. Uh, why? I can't. I don't know. It took me a long time to really think about that answer, and I was like, "That's definitely my most cringy moment." Um, oh. Okay. I guess in terms of like happiness, like. That was my worst moment. I can't think of my worst off the top of my head. Mm. Uh, so I, I'm afraid I can't answer like That's fine. my worst moment from adolescence. Uh, my best, I think, was just being in Disneyland. I did that a lot as a kid. Um, between two like in 2008 in particular, or no, 2004 in particular, I, we were like eight years old. I went there like once a month and it just made me so happy. I, I loved it. And then like from 2004, through 2012 i went there once a year and same feelings like i loved it i was very happy that was my happy place it's awesome do yeah. you go there often now oh i have not gone since i went so, remember that like senior disneyland trip yeah well, yeah we did that 
And then between then and now, I've only gone one time. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's expensive, bro. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, like, I, I, I get it. I was about to say, like, I've gone a few times, but that's because uh, uh, my buddy Nico worked there. And so he would comp us tickets whenever he could. Yeah. Like, that hadn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> I probably wouldn't have gone to Disney, like, even after that, at that senior Disney trip. That would, that would have been the last time, probably. It's stupid expensive, dude. I oh. hate, I, I really hate that because, like, as much as this, Disney fans are gonna hate me for this, but when when you're an adult, you the magic is kind of lost, and not 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 necessarily. It's not fun. I'm not saying it's not fun anymore. I'm saying that you realize the cost value of this and the stuff that you're getting <laughs> from it is is very different. I mean, now that they have Marvel Land and the, you know the Star Wars Land added, that that whole dynamic has changed and shifted for a good for the benefit of everybody. But like before, like we used to go to Disneyland, and I'd be like wow these lines are long as fuck <laughs> i get to maybe go on two the rides are you know just as basic as the ones from great america some of them not all of them and the churros are overpriced like what <laughs> like everything's overpriced yeah and it's like it's like why why am i why am i doing this to myself but then you know like you you have fun and you realize like oh it's it's the adventure is worth the money and it's worth having fun and going to Disneyland and having fun with your friends, but it's still way more expensive than it had any right to be for a while. I think it's, mm-hmm. I think in the price that it has now for with Marvel line and Star Wars land, I think they're at, I think they're perfectly adequate. I think they they match it now because you could do so much more things now and see more things. Yeah. Speaking of brands earlier, Disney brand is a fantastic, horrible brand. It's a fantastic, <laughs> horrible brand. It's got a lot of greats, a lot of bads. It's going to dominate the media industry for years to come. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But hey, we get Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Your turn. Oh, uh, I only have two more questions to ask you. One of them is based on one of the questions that you were going to ask me. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Then I will run down mine. All right. As a musically inclined individual, you've played instruments. The last thing I remember playing instruments with me was uh, I played clarinet in middle school, and then I stopped touching instruments after that. Um, so, as a musically inclined individual, what artists do you admire? And also, how the fuck do you play instruments and make music happen? <laughs> uh, the second one's easier to uh, answer right off the bat. <laughs> um, I mean, making music is. I don't know. I, I was forced into it at a young age, as all young Asian kids were. Um, but um, it's just as simple as like, you know, pressing a, uh, a piece of equipment in a certain way that makes and it makes a certain frequency like, uh, you know, or maybe like or maybe maybe matching your voice to uh, someone else's. Um, but I don't know. It's hard for me to explain, really, because like I've just done it. I've played music as like even before I could read music before I could even read words. Um, so it's, uh, how do you, how do you do that? Like I, 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 I've seen music sheets. I've seen, uh, you know, I understand conceptually what notes are mm-hmm. and I get what they kind of represent, but I, I don't know if it's like uh, a fault of my brain or something, but I can't, ne- I can never put instruments in that like together. Like when people tell me like, um, 
you know, they're thinking about picking up music. And, and these are like older individuals I work with on a regular basis. Like they're thinking about going into music or like they, they like the idea of being able to play an instrument, etc. I say it's never too late. It's like for you, it's not too late. I'm going to tell you it's not too late. I'm going to tell like a six-year-old woman it's not too late to get into music or to learn. Um, and I think like learning music, it all just comes down to what, you know, the aspects of your brain that like help you learn other things, you know, and all that comes, how do you learn? You learn through repetition. And so eventually you're going to recognize like certain things like a music, you're going to see like six lines or something like that. Uh, And then you're going to see like a dot somewhere in the middle. You're going to recognize that, oh, that's a C or, oh, that's an E. And like, you're going to make that association after a lot of repetition that, oh, that's this button on the keyboard or on the piano. So it's, it's, it'll take some time, but I think it all just comes down to what it truly is. It's just repetitions in your brain. Just like how learning is. Just like a video game. Exactly. Like a video game. (laughs) Yes. That's, that's a perfect, uh, (laughs) that's a perfect description. Yeah, exactly. I say that, but I was fucking terrible. Guitar hero. I was, (laughs) I was absolute trash, like the absolute worst. I, I, cause like, I, I, like, I, I guess I can get, I like, I get that it's the repetition and stuff like that, but there was a time when I took a guitar lessons like every week to kind of learn it and it never stuck with me. And I guess maybe it's cause I didn't practice enough at home, but it just couldn't, it couldn't click. But then this is like me, like also, I, I practice. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely practice. And then there's the other aspect of me that like, I like make random, like, like beats or melodies or something with like just my voice or with like fingers like like i just do things just because so i understand that i know music but i don't know no music yeah i just kind of want to get some perspective what do you feel when you make music or when you play music i mean joy joy simple answer I, I say that very genuinely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like music is just like that stress reliever for me, man. Like um, when people, when, when we talk, when we, when people like identify, you know, they have a self identity for me, like part of my self identity is music. And when I take the time out of my day to make myself happy, that's what I choose to do. I, I make music. I, um, you know, I don't even make music per se. I just like do covers, right? I'm not making new original music. I'm just like messing around and making my own rendition of something so but yeah it makes me happy um it's been my like kind of like a uh, anchor um in terms of like my mental health for like uh, as long as i can remember that's awesome yeah um I'm glad you're still i'm i'm very i'm very very <laughs> glad that you're still making like still playing instruments and stuff like that i don't know for some reason i always kind of expected like not that it, you would like drop it but it would kind of like life would get it beaten out of you like I always felt like you would be too studious or too busy to, to like, just keep, you know, doing what, you know, brings you joy. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I kind of always just expect that. I've always seen the, I guess the trope of like, like successful person who can't do what they want to anymore, but you know, obviously that's not true. So I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there've been times where like I put the piano aside during the pandemic. I didn't, I, I didn't play keyboard because, um, <laughs> As part of me being messy, like actually I had a limited number of outlets and the outlets I wanted to use, like the one I sacrificed my keyboard, I, I, I put it into my PS4 or I plugged like my second monitor in instead. But I finally found the time like about a month ago, 
I opened up the space for another outlet and I started playing keyboard a whole lot. Nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there have been times where I've like put the keyboard, put the guitar aside. And, yeah, I always come back to it. That's good. Uh, yeah. And so I also want to answer your um, the first part of your question, which was what artists you admire. Mm -hmm. I can answer that super quick. Um, so I feel like it's, you know, it's hard not to admire all popular artists because I feel like they all made it to where they are, um, at, you know, for several reasons, whether it be talent, looks, some mix of both, or sometimes, you know, more talent than looks, Jay-Z, et cetera. <laughs> like, <laughs> you call you Jay-Z ugly? Beyonce's not going to be happy about that. <laughs> Depending on like the time, I'm sure she would be. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I don't listen to a whole lot of music anymore, but I do admire musicians that uh, have a lot of technical ability. So like um, from like a classical standpoint, I feel like, you know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, their drummer and their bassist are so freaking amazing. They're literally iconic. I can tell a Red Hot Chili Peppers song just from them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and like people, and I, I admire talent, like Foo, like the Foo Fighters singer, Dave, Dave Grohl. He was the drummer for Nirvana, and that fucking blows my mind. That's fucking sick. Um, Adele and Bruno Mars and The Weeknd, I just love their voices. So um, so long story, uh, TLDR is that like I admire artists that just are, are very, very talented. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of like the, the reason why they become popular too. Like my favorite thing about Bruno Mars is that uh, like me and Gabby, are, like, our, our, like our couple song is a Bruno Mars song. Um, Which one? Uh, Moonshine. Oh, okay. um, that's a good one yeah. it's a it's a fucking great one um but like the thing that i love i think i appreciate it most about bruno mars is that not only is he a, a fucking talented individual is that he also is really good at working within like genres like working within his genre like it's so easy to you know write someone off as like a like a one note kind of artist but he mm -hmm. like he can do he, he does like of his like a like his 70s 80s kind of like homage like albums and stuff like that the ones that are like recently coming out like the funky you know soul stuff that's coming out too is like he does it well he homages the you know old practices that created that music but then remixes it to a modern form and i think that's that that's so amazing it takes so much talent same thing with the weekend like um like blinding lights feels like it could have been made in the 80s but it's a modern song yeah. and I, I i love that it's i have a really big fascination with retro futurism and mm -hmm. to have retro futuristic music is fucking amazing i, <laughs> I love that i love that aspect of stuff and then i love the opposite where it's futuristic retro where you take modern songs and put it retro like when like when uh i don't remember if you remember when the great gatsby came out there was like a huge rush on like youtube where people oh, made yeah. like like old 1920s covers yep. of song and like the like a 1920s cover song of crazy in love was like was like shit like i fucking love that like it's it takes I, to me it takes a lot of like uh you know know-how of music to kind of i know it's not it's probably super easy because you know you just match the notes and just use instruments instead of you know synthesizers and stuff like that but to do it in a way that pays homage to to the history but make something new i think that's fucking mind-blowing like that's a, that's like a step above in my book yeah absolutely it's crazy man it's crazy what people can do nowadays i love that yeah i gotta you check out some of those covers man like i haven't really uh i don't think i've listened to any 
Eh, you're, you're probably fine. They're probably not as good as I remember, to be honest. It's all nostalgia at this point. It's still pretty cool. I like it the is, idea. It's pretty cool. I do, I do like the idea of that stuff. There was this... Uh, this like uh like it was right around the great gatsby where they had um what's it called what's it called the, the lava del rey song that was the main theme of that movie but in oh, yes. version and that was that was super good and i was like i just I, I think i just like seeing things from a different way from a different time maybe i think i like that too like there's a lot of other like youtube channels that i follow that have like um let's play uh disturbs down with the sickness but in a super happy way and it's weird as hell, but it's kind of interesting and fun to see. Yeah. And then there's like other things in different genres and different ways. And I just, I just, I think that kind of exemplifies like how good this song or this music or this piece is because it can be transposed in a different way in a different style, but you could still get like a little bit of the core. Like you recognize it. it. It's the same song. Yeah. Yeah. But also you should listen to more music. How do you not listen to more music? <laughs> you have the internet you have spotify you have youtube you have title you have everything pandora yeah still unfortunately well nowadays man i listen to podcasts so oh, <laughs> that's why i do i work now so yeah <laughs> fair enough i have to to me i have to balance it out like i can't listen to just podcasts because i will drive myself insane if i don't listen to some kind of music because like uh but then at the same time when i write i i, ha- I can't listen to anything but like non- non-vocal music unless like i'm specifically trying to evoke a mood from that thing i'm trying to listen to like mm-hmm. i've listened to a lot more uh like banda and like mexican music in the past few years than i've ever had in my entire life because that's I'm, beautiful it's honestly it's pretty great yeah um, because like i'm writing stuff about mi gente and you know stuff like that and there's no there's no easier way than to get into that mood of like writing about a Mexican party, then having Mexican party music playing <laughs> in your ears. And then it, everything just flies out easily. And it just becomes, it's part of the background. It's part of the environment at that point. But having said that, I remember back in college trying to fucking like do anything with anything with lyrics, just fucked up my studying, fucked up my essays, fucked up everything. Like I can't, I have to listen to instrumental stuff. And I think I found my sweet spot is I listen to synth wave stuff and like vaporwave things and it works for all the sci-fi that i've been writing for the past two years and it's it's my top thing on spotify right nice. now. <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool i love that you like um you know you you, you like uh what's the word you listen to it and then like it kind of it, it it helps your um oh my god it's getting late man <laughs> but yeah like, i know we i've tried to I've, i'll try to wrap it up yeah, I, 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 but anyway, I love that. I love that you listen to like, um, you know, sci-fi-ish music and it inspires you to write sci-fi. It doesn't yeah. work for that, but I just can't think of it right now. I yeah. can't think of it either. You're good. <laughs> but it helps. It helps a lot. Okay. So, second to last question for you is, how would you describe your favorite sport to convince me to watch it? And can you explain to me what it feel, what you feel when your favorite team wins? So, first part of the questions, because uh, I am not a sports person. I know nothing about sports in general at all whatsoever. I don't know any of the rules of football. I don't know any of the rules of softball or baseball, basketball, dodgeball, soccer, soccer, fucking nothing. I am like sports, like just over my head completely almost. So how would you convince me to watch your favorite sport? 
Oh man, you know, you'd have to be there. Like, yeah, I feel like it'd be easier for me to like describe it to you and to like, um, it'd be easier for me to describe it to you if you were sitting there with me watching a game because that's when I get the most passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but you know, if I were like, it's very hard for me to convince someone to to like basketball when like we're not watching it at the moment. So like, there's something what I can say is that like, the I, I find a lot of joy in watching like a player like a, a ball go into a net you know it's it's really simple it's like some sort of primal thing but like when you're watching sports i feel like your mirror neurons are activated you picture yourself in that situation and then it becomes even more fun when you are being placed in that situation yourself i feel like playing sports is way more fun than watching them for instance but um yeah I, again like you'd have to watch a, a game of, of soccer or basketball with me for me to really convince you <laughs> Understand. I don't think I'm doing a very good job at the moment, but yeah. <laughs> then the second question was supposed to catch that because I figured the same thing because I've, you know, watched the Super Bowls and stuff like that. And when I watch the Super Bowls, it's very different from when someone who actually cares about the games watches the Super Bowl. Like my brother, he's he was a football player in high school and he he understands the game. He understands how it works. And he's like, ah, but this team's going to lose because they're fucking up. They're doing this and that and that. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I have no <laughs> idea what the fuck is going on. I know that guy's got the ball now and he's got to run it over there and that's about it. And then <laughs> people tackle him. I don't know any of the plays. I don't know what the heck is going on. I just know that this guy got tackled and now they have to go again. But uh, so the second half of the, my question to capture that is, can you explain to me what you feel when your favorite team wins? Like, yeah. What does that feeling feel like? Euphoria. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm being dramatic, but it's great, man. <laughs> I mean, like, um, and uh, one of the th- reasons why I love sports in general is because for me, it's a way to connect with people. When uh, I went to Cleveland and like, I was really down on my self-esteem because again, like I, I wasn't shit. <laughs> I-, I like academically, I wasn't shit. I was struggling a lot, but like something that I could have bonded with people about was sports and me being from the Bay area, the, like I feared for the golden state warriors. And during our four years of college, 14 through 18, basic more or less, um, that's when the Golden State Warriors were consistently facing the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA Finals. And so it was super fun to me to watch my home team win and just be like, ha ha, LeBron's not the greatest player in the world. Well, he is. But anyway, LeBron's not the greatest. If he were the greatest, he would have beaten the Golden State Warriors. Like, it was so much fun connecting with people and just like, and that's having the bragging rights too helped, huh? Having the bragging rights, yes. You know, and like, me being from the bay area surrounded by people who are not from the bay area it gave me a lot of it gave me a lot of pride <laughs> it felt good <laughs> give you a lot of must give you a lot of confidence too when you're like you know kind of like a not a fish out of water per se but like no uh, yeah exactly. it was fish out of water yeah it, it was like that yeah <laughs> i'll tell you one thing about like people in uh, the midwest slash other parts of the country when i was when i told people that i was from the bay area there's this one guy who asked me is it true that every everything there is made of chrome <laughs> like oh my god this isn't spongebob dude <laughs> it's like, normal yeah, but it's normal buildings yeah exactly he's like he's like but there's like google and facebook and mark and blah 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 and amazon or whatever i don't remember but i was like yeah but it's pretty damn normal dude <laughs> like, yeah i mean it's, it's glass and metal and concrete just like every other city the roads aren't made of chrome. The cars aren't made of chrome. But it made me think of SpongeBob. I loved it. That is kind of funny. But I will say, if you've gone onto the Apple campus, 
that does look futuristic that 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 would if you that's all you saw about this about like silicon valley about the bay area that would make you think that like everything's made out of chrome like that is everything white like all, all the walls like white just like their boxes oh like... le- legitimately it's like all white and brown aesthetics it's all simple made it looks like it looks like if they if they could iphone a building that's what it would be that's exactly as imagined it. <laughs> yeah, and it's honestly, it's honestly one of the most impressive buildings I've ever seen. Like, I legit wanted to buy an iPhone after working there so often. <laughs> I was like, that's that's the kind of quality that they like convince me that they are capable of, and it's all sustainable. Like, when you go to the cafeteria, like they give you like compostable everything, like mm-hmm. everything you have is compostable. And I'm like, that's fucking. Why the fuck aren't we all doing this? And it's I know why it's because money, but yeah. So, pride, joy. So then, so then, answer me this: Why do why why do people riot after some games? Because I know that's a thing for certain teams and certain games. Like I, I could, I don't understand because I could, I could never be so mad that I set <laughs> shit on fire for anything, uh-huh. almost anything. Maybe like political shit, but like for a game, I can't see myself doing that, and I can't understand why people would do that. So could you like? So, like, tell me how you can understand that, like, because I want to know. As best as I can explain it, it just comes down to, I think, mirror neurons. Again, the, you know, you get that, like, euphoria, that joy uh, of your team winning. And then when you feel, uh, when you see your team lose, you get, um, you feel that same, like, because of those mirror neurons, um, which to the listeners, it, it, like, mirror neurons, basically, they're, there are these uh, cells within your brain that when you see someone doing something, you want to do it. Essentially, it goes into that. But anyway, you see like the pain, the sadness, the anger that the players feel. And sometimes people internalize that and cause them to feel pain, anger, sadness, etc. And so some people are not as good at managing their emotions as other people. And so they choose to like throw their TV at the window after like a world cup game or like something like that. People do that. Like I can't do it personally because like I separate myself as an individual from like, from sports. I don't like internalize them that much, but some people do. (laughs) Do you think that is part of like it? Because like you don't make it like a massive part of your identity. Like it is part of your identity for sure. Like I like, that's what it is, but you're not like a goon about a team or something exactly yeah it's it's because like it's so ingrained in their identity um you know have you you've seen like you know you're a gamer right Mm -hmm. have you ever like played a game and then just like wanted to throw your controller because you're angry oh many times okay yeah it's kind of like that like the the difference is that i'm 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 playing the thing yeah it's on you right like you're the one making these mistakes and i fucked up or like i i could have done better or maybe i was the top of the team my the rest of everybody would fucking suck or something (laughs) so i I could see getting mad like if you were playing the game and then you go try it because you lost (laughs) but like i i I don't know like i just can't i could never understand it but like i guess it's 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 literally just like the mirror aspect and internalizing that yep (laughs) okay yeah. All right. All righty. So, um, so this brings me to my second to last question for you, which is, um, so for you, or my question for you is, why not sports? So, what was the? Was there any moment in time where you decided, yeah, this ain't it. <laughs> this isn't for me. I, I, well, when you when I saw that question, I kind of thought about it, and I just, I, the, the easy answer is, I never felt 
a want to play sports like in general i was always more of like a a book reader media consumer kind of kid like mm-hmm. i would always be reading or i'd always be watching tv i'd always be invested in stories like i cared about stories way more than about anything else i'm not a super i guess competitive person like i don't feel the need to uh compete in that way and i think it's because of this moment that i think i'm trying to remember from childhood where you know they have like team games where they play like pick you for like kickball or something i can't remember Mm -hmm. if it was like kickball but it was like a variation of kickball it was like baseball and kickball mixed together and it was like an elementary school and you know me not being the super sociable kid because i was at a new school um you know you get picked last you get uh because nobody really knows you and Mm -hmm. so you just kind of get like uh you know you're like you know you're like the short end of the stick necessarily not like Mm -hmm. like not like super bad and because i never really cared for it in the first place like it never like i never felt like the need to be a part of a team uh or the team in general i guess because you know last choice so who cares and then the same time like i'm not athletic i i'm very much not athletic i'm i don't want to say sedentary but i pretty much am I prefer working with my hands and my brain, I guess, a little bit more than my physical body because I know I'm not very fit or very active because I, like I said, I just was geared more towards reading and looking at things and exploring my inner mind than exploring the outer world. And I don't know if that's like, just like, just the way I was, you know, nurtured or the way that was born, but I feel like when I tried to play like even like Foursquare or something or Pogo or whatever, I just couldn't get the coordination down. Like I just couldn't, mm. just couldn't, couldn't make it work. And then like soccer, I tried soccer and it's not, I'm not going to say it's easy, but like it never interested me. And I feel the same way about esports too, which is the weirdest thing. Cause like I could, play video games like i can i i'm pretty good at them and i'm actually more competitive in video games than i think i ever expected to be mm-hmm. um i used to play uh, apex legends like every day and i used to like try to make sure i like i won like at least three times a day like i used to, like and i could and i knew i could like i, I knew i could do it and i know i'm good at video games because i can play them but like esports still also don't interest me like i never watched any like competitions for esports i've never like seen a championship of any video game ever mm-hmm. well it's because you're not doing it right i mean at least that's I, the... I, I, I think i think that is the feeling i think the feeling yeah. is that like i don't like watching this stuff because i'm not myself doing it and it's yeah. not like i don't appreciate the effort they, they put into it because i respect the fuck out of that like it's good for them like i can't say like i could be in the super league like, oh that's easy like it's like no i just i know i could never do that good for them mm-hmm. yay but i just i guess like because i because i'm not playing I don't care as much. That's why I could never watch esports either. Like I, I play like, you know, games where there like there's a lot of there's a huge esports like, you know, community for it, like World of Warcraft, etc. Mm-hmm. I still play WoW by the way. Hey. <laughs> yeah, but like I could never watch a PvP like tournament. Like, no, if I'm not doing it, I don't care. <laughs> I yeah, don't care I... how much money's on the line. <laughs> <laughs> like that's kind of how I felt about like a bunch of things. Like there's so many competitions for every game too. Like, I was super to Overwatch back in the day, and I know they had competitions for Overwatch, and I still was like, eh, cool. Good good for you guys. Good for your team. 
I'm going to, I'm going to go play overwatch now. Yeah. <laughs> Watching it. And I think that's kind of the thing, like maybe because I knew I couldn't play, play sports that I didn't care for watching it. And that kind of just mm-hmm. reinforces itself. And then video games were more accessible as an unathletic scrawny kid. And that I just, I don't know. I got gravitated towards that. Maybe. Yeah. I, Cause I, I used to be like elitist about sports too. And I think I remember you, I, I you probably remember me being like that. Cause you would ask yes. me to come play basketball with Absolutely. you all the time. Absolutely. Yes. And, then, <laughs> I, and I was like, this. why would I do that? Like, why would I, why would I subject myself to exercise when I could just <laughs> play video games right now and, you know, have a better time. And I don't know, like, I just, I, f- I felt this, like, need to, like, get into some kind of, like, outdoor activity that isn't, you know, just going jogging, really. But I know I'm, I know I suck at sports. And at this day, at this age, there's, like, so little patience with anybody my age trying to do sports to where I, they would give me, like, a learning curve or, like, sympathy. Because one thing this I also do true, remember dude. This is, is because when I remember when I would play with you guys, when I would play with you, uh, Anthony, Daniel, and whatever, like, you guys were obviously way better than me. I, I, the amount of times I've played basketball, seriously, I can count on my fingers. And I know I could see you guys losing patience all the fucking time. And I was like, I, I don't know what to, I don't know. I don't know what to say, dude. Like I fucking suck at this. I fucking suck at this. And I know, I know it, you know it. I don't want to be here either. I would love to hang out with you guys and I'm okay with hanging out with you guys, but I just suck at this sport. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's just how it was. Yeah. Speaking of learning curves. Yeah. People aren't even like nice. Like nowadays, I played basketball for years, man. And like, you know, if I miss a shot, that's like a very, very easy shot that like almost anyone can make. Like people give me shit. Like I feel that judgment. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, fuck like you, oh, this guy's trash. It. They won't pass it to me anymore because I missed an easy layup. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you do you play uh, do you play sports like team sports like just in general now? I do nowadays. Yeah, actually, uh, I played basketball throughout college. Um, and I when I moved up to the um the peninsula like SF area, I started playing basketball at the gym after work. It was oh, a great okay. networking opportunity too, because like I got to talk to like you know, a couple of people that became my mentors. This was like orthopedic surgeon dude that I thought that played basketball with me. And he was pretty cool. I got to know him pretty well. Anyway. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Again, like that's why I love sports. It's a great way to connect with people. But yeah, I, I play basketball every once in a while during the pandemic, of course, like that didn't happen. So I picked up surfing instead, more of an individual thing that you can do. Um, well, that's cool. I have another friend who surfs. Probably yeah, more so than I know of. Yeah. It seems really awesome. I just have thalassophobia. So I'm like, cool, neat. <laughs> good for, good for you i'm i'm good i'm good on, i'm good just playing in the waves on the shore yeah um yeah so i got back to basketball recently because um can every sober quote unquote but yeah okay cool i feel like anyone can pick up surfing man <laughs> but, i feel i you going i feel like that's probably true I just, I just like, it's the same thing with like, for me, it's the same thing with skateboarding. Like I felt like I could have like in college, like I wanted to start skateboarding, but I never actually bought a board. And now I'm now I'm not going to risk it. Cause if I break an ankle, I'm, 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 I'm getting old. Not like it won't like, Oh no. You know, put an end to it. But like, I, I went rollerblading with uh roller, not rollerblading. We're skating with, uh, with Gabby and I sprained my ankle and to this day it still hurts. And yeah. that's kind of like, what's showing to me, like, you know, 
you're not young anymore, dude. <laughs> you're you, you're gonna if you risk something, you're you you you're risking. You're like legitimately risking. Like back in the day, you could have been fine. You could have bounced off like nothing. But now you're gonna risk something. So you gotta invest in something that you actually know that you're gonna want to do for like a while. And not that I say surfing seems fun. I just also know I have massive philosophobia, so I would mm-hmm. not be a good candidate. Same thing with scuba diving. I don't think I could do it. But then the same thing is like maybe it's just you know. Maybe you just got to, you know, experience it a little bit and yeah. then it'll, the, the fear will go away. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Right. Okay. Uh, so I am... you have one question for me and I have one question for you. Is that where we're at? Yes. So you go ahead and ask yours. So All righty. ask you the final one. All righty. Yeah. Well, uh, final question is when it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? I want my legacy to be a great wealth of stories that are, you know, consumed by people. I have a lot of stories that I'm working on right now that I just want to exist for the most part right now, but the goal for them is to hopefully be seen by other people and that they resonate with it emotionally that they like it i'm not like aiming to be the next harry potter or the next stranger things or the next anything but to have you know even just one person who resonates with it and appreciates it and and to say that it helped them or that they loved it or they thought it was a fun thing um, that's the kind of legacy that I want to live. I've, I, I have no idea if I remember even telling you about my alien story about my the the kid who's like half alien or not. But I vaguely um, remember. Yeah, that's the story that I want to be the most impactful because as I grew up in college, as you know, going in through college and reattaching myself to my culture, I realized that's what that story was missing because I always mm. like always hesitated on making it because I felt like it was never ready. And I realized it wasn't ready because I wasn't ready to accept all of me and all of who I was and to reassess who I was. And then as soon as that happened, the entire story blew up even more bigger, better, expand, more expansive. And I, fr- I think more beautifully. And I've been working, I, I wrote a pilot script for it and I entered in competitions and I got, you know, moderate recognition, which is nice. Um, but like moderate recognition means nothing if you can't get it made. Like that's the ultimate goal of everything that I, I, I write in script form at least is to get it made so that people can see this thing with their own eyes. Um, because like we were saying about earlier about representation, I think that like it's a story that not only is unique, but also resonates with a lot of people who feel like they're different and feel like they're aliens in the, in life. And it's also a fun, you know, fun story with about kids with superpowers who's trying to figure out what what a why a ufo is hanging around his town and you know it's kind of like stranger things but a little bit less dark and horrifying but still you know just as serious in a different kind of way to kind of help kids kind of express or understand and cope with their emotions because one of the things that i remembered growing up was spirited away and how they had moments of ma where you just would sit with the characters looking out at something mm-hmm. like when uh when Chihiro and I forgot her name are like just sitting on like 
the edge of the cliff, just looking out at the newly formed ocean, eating the buns or whatever they had in their hands, like just sitting there with the moments, with the feelings of what's going on with the movie. I, I, I those, 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 that's one of the most impactful moments for me as a kid who wanted and needed to kind of sit with his emotions. Um, and that's what that story is. It's, it has a lot of that in it. And if, if I can make that story exist in the way that I need it to exist, which is, you know, a story that's full of heart, fun, and moments of ma that can help even just some like lost kid, like, you know, be at ease even just for a little while. That's, that's all I would leave. That's all I would want to leave. That's all I need from life. That's all I really need. I would love if I could make that story of the five seasons that I would love to make it. Um, I would love if I could make a bunch of other stories and ideas that I have, like I'm writing right now a story about um, this, uh, this Mexican American uh, engineer who becomes this tech robotics billionaire and how he shapes the world in his own way by making robots, you know, who are really good at like, who are really good at mimicking human movement. Like their hands are as adept as ours. And I know that's something that's not like impossible for us, but he's the, like the lucky one who cracked the code to make it almost like a perfect simulacrum. And he, he does it out of this need to, you know, to shape the way that work is viewed in America. And, <coughs> and just like how that, you know, how that plays out during this time of, great change and i just want to tell stories that get people thinking that hopefully leave a lasting impression and if i can have a family and a person who loves me and get married to them and have that alongside that's that's, that's the cherry on top and i would you know i would love to say that would be the first priority but as much as i love you know other people i love my that that dream is why i'm alive as dark and as morbid as that is that fact is the truth if i hadn't thought about this the making my stories exist i would have killed myself in my second year of college without a doubt and mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't have made it through high school without the same thing like the, the one thing that i know i always did was that i had to remind myself that you have to live for your story and this is why I also asked you that question. Are you, are you where you are because of altruism or ego? And the reason why is because I ask myself that all the time. Why are you writing? Is it because of altruism or is it because of ego? Do you actually want to help another little kid who is like you figure out what he's doing? Or are you just trying to give yourself fucking therapy for being that kid in the first place? And the answer is yes, both. The answer is always going to be both. Um, because my story saved me but my stories also don't exist without me to tell them. And I'm working on them constantly. I write at my desk eight hours a day at the least or the entire day, just trying to make this thing exist and trying to make it work, trying to, to make it exist because it's always just been in my head. And I've been for so many years, I was always too afraid to put it down. And so, but the legacy that I want to leave is a lot of stories, a lot of, uh, short films, films, TV shows, anything that like resonates with people, that people enjoy, that people have fun with, that also means something. That's the legacy that I want to leave by. So people have something to learn and enjoy from. And hopefully find themselves through. Because like, you know, I Lord of the Rings helped me find myself. Harry Potter helped me find myself.
if I could like even like just like touch like the edge of the caliber of them, that would be the ultimate goal. But the goal is not that. The goal is to make them exist in the first place, and that's the legacy I want to leave. Hmm. That's beautiful. What about you? Um, I don't know, honestly. <laughs> um, no matter what I want to do, whatever wherever life takes me, um, what I want to be remembered for, I, I suppose, is that like, is that I was, is as a person who gave back to their community. You know, I, I want to make the biggest impact I can on my community on humanity. Like, I just feel like, again, as I mentioned earlier about that, like happiness, like sacrificing happy, like personal happiness for like the betterment of other people. That's what I want to do. And to be honest, that's what drives me. That's what motivates me to become a physician. That's what makes me happy is like, you know, just having that opportunity to better the quality of life of everyone. Um, I can't. And in a way, that's what you're you're doing too. Is that you're you're you know you're doing you're using your your skills and your means to to have your writing impact someone. It's the same kind of thing. It's the same like drive. Like I want to make a difference. I want I want this person to to be better because of something that I did or do. So I'm not sure what it is. Ideally, it would be through medicine through through practice, through philanthropy, maybe, hopefully. Um, but that's what I want to be known for. That's what I want my legacy to be. And um, and I take comfort in knowing that, like, you know, at the very least, I'll probably have a wife and kids. And <laughs> and um, that can I'm perfectly okay with um, my family being my legacy as well. That's a good answer. And I think you're going to get it. I, I don't have any doubt, honestly. Thanks. I really don't. Yeah. Now to the final question. So we can get you to sleep because it's fucking 1230 right now almost. <laughs> like uh, I said, never quick, never quick. Uh, yeah, I didn't expect it to be. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point. All right. So we used to be really good friends, I would say. At least I thought in my mind. Um, no judgment, if not, or anything. But what is your perspective on why we kind of just drifted apart? Because I, I, I have my ideas of why we like kind of stopped being friends. And I just wanted to see from your perspective what, why that was. Yeah. Um, we were really tight. And, and something that like you said to me that made me like feel like, man, this guy's going to be my friend for life. Something that you said to me, I think it was in high school. You said, Michael, if you somehow died, you know, if you somehow died in a tragic accident tomorrow or like whatever, I will become a fucking doctor for you in memory of you. And that's, that's stuck with me even to this day. That's how I knew, like, I was like, wow, this is real. This is like, he is a true friend. <laughs> and um, yeah, like that really meant a lot to me. And that's, and I feel like that's why, like, I can never like not be your friend, dude. <laughs> um, among other reasons, but yeah. Uh, so I don't know, like, I think we started drifting apart probably around senior year of high school. This was around the time when like um, I started hanging out with Anthony and Daniel Jobin a lot more and less with the folks that we normally hang out uh, that we normally hung out with. And so I think there was some of that also like from my understanding, I think like, you know, it was from what I remember, it's all, it's all gone now. Like it's all like seven years. I don't remember what it was, 
but I do remember like someone said some shit about me. I don't remember what it is. It's high school level drama, but like, I was like, okay, you know, I'm just not going to deal with this group of people anymore. And that's kind of what happened. And so I started hanging out with a different group of people because I felt like, like, you know, I'm not wanted among the, uh, among our, our typical friend group, friend group, friend circle. I don't even remember who it was or anything at this point, but that's, but that's what happened. And also like to go on, I, I also went out of state, you know, I, I went out of state and I lost, uh, I lost touch with pretty much everybody from high school, apart from those three, uh, those three dudes. So, yeah. No, understandable. My thing was that I, I, I was always kind of worried that like I had said something. I had said something stupid and I, I have a feeling I thought I did like, do you remember the time where you, uh, where you had your braces, you had crashed into a, a car and your braces like, like broken through your lip. <laughs> oh, yeah. That sent me back like six months of my braces. And yeah, I yeah, had them it, for like eight years. Like if like, it really like, it really like fucked up a lot of stuff. And I, I swear either it was someone or myself who said like, how do you, how do you crash into a parked car? And I don't know if it was like, if I, like, if I had said it and I insulted you, I feel like I probably may have maybe did like, or someone around me had. And I felt like that might've been the reason why, like we just stopped talking because you're like, this dude just made fun of me for crashing into a park oh, no. car. Fuck him. And I was like, that. and that's what, kind of like so. what I was, I was kind of like partially thinking like as time went on, I was like, did I really say that out loud? What a fucking, you're a fucking idiot, dude. Like, and now you lost a friend, like you're an asshole. And I kind of always internalized that a little bit. And then like, I don't know, like I, at the same time, I, I also kind of understood because, you know, you were making friends with uh, Anthony and Jobin because you guys were in the same, like higher math classes and stuff like that. Like they were more in tune with what your future was than I was. I was still figuring myself out. I was still, you know, figuring shit out for myself. I was still, you know, the problematic piece of crap that I was. So like there's like not any hard feelings or anything i was just kind of curious because like one i wanted to check that wasn't my fault <laughs> i guess that i was an asshole about it and then also like just kind of explore because this is what this show's about is about reconnecting with people about why people that matter to you you know not necessarily stop mattering to you because i don't think you stopped mattering to me and i always thought about you uh, i just always felt awkward about like reaching out in fact like this 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 podcast is the reason why i i am reaching out because i have such an anxiety about talking to people um in any capacity because i just i don't know if I, it's because i think little of myself or if i think too highly of them but i always feel like i'm not worth their time and this is just a general insecurity of mine in general that i'm not worth it i'm not worth the friendship because there's always this hang up that i had that people used to be my friend because they were afraid i was going to kill myself and I've said this out loud to 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 Chris, to Nick, to to all the friends I made in college. Like, it was always that one of those hangups, constantly, and that that shapes how you interact with people. And it's one of those weird, fucked up situations where, you know, you convince yourself that people are aren't your friends or people don't like you because you don't like you. And it took so much effort and so much work on myself to fight that mentality. And, you know, part of me always kind of worried that, you know, maybe Michael thinks he's just too good for me. 
or maybe I'm not good enough to hang out with Michael, or maybe like, or maybe you just aren't worth being a friend to, you know? Cause like, you know, like I'm, you're not the only friend that I lost through, you know, college and distance and everything. And that's fine. It's, it's natural. It's what life happens with life, but it kind of always like, it hurts feeling the reality, I guess. And then I'm not blaming you or anything or anybody like this is just natural life. And hopefully that people listening understand that this is just what happens. Like people will always drift apart, but like facing that reality kind of hurts because one of the things that um, I remember about senior year was feeling more alone than I had ever through high school. And part of the reason why was one, because we stopped being friends, but there's also the added aspect of like, you know, a lot of people stopped being friends in, in senior year because senior year, I think was when people like start solidifying that, like, I'm going to take you into the future with me bond. And it's not a negative thing. Whoa. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. And it always kind of felt like I was on anybody's list, I guess. And you know, that's perfectly valid. Like we don't have the same life goals. We don't have the same life aspirations for people, but you know, it kind of sucked and it really was really rough. Um, and I'm not gonna lie. It kind of, it kind of hurt not being your friend. And I always felt like, I, like I said, I, I always felt like I had done something wrong and like I had done something, you know, not to like piss you off or anything, but like, just, I had done something. I always felt like this little tiny guilt that what like what did you do dude like what did you how did you lose this friend because i i genuinely regret like not keeping up with you and not like you know checking in with you while you were at school it and you know this is obviously my own insecurities and my own issues that i had to work through and stuff like that but genuinely yeah i don't know what to say, dude. Oh my god! I, I, I didn't even expect that to come out. To be honest, I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's there now. Oh my goodness. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm. Well, you know, the past is the past. Yeah. We're here now, and I love that we're talking about it, and I love that we have, you know, this opportunity to be like genuine and open with each other, and it felt really good talking to you again. And seeing Same. your face, dude, like, yeah. and like, just like the fact that we've been talking for three hours, like <laughs> almost four hours at this fucking point. Uh, Jesus fucking Christ. Right, dude. Like, oh, it felt good. And I love that. <laughs> like, the past is the past. And, uh, mm. you know, like, it's for me, like, I, for me, I can forgive and forget very easily. I've already forgotten everything that's happened in high school. Same. So, I mean, I haven't forgotten, like, you know, like, like that memory happened, like it came out cause it just came out, but like, you know, whatever happened, I for, I've forgiven too. Like yeah. it's, it's whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Let's get a drink sometime, bro. <laughs> can. Yeah. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Pandemic's over, man. <laughs> True. Yeah. I remember that thing I, uh, that, that you told me, you know, that, that I, I, about the dying and like becoming a doctor I, like again that you know you know what's amazing to me is that I, I i i never i didn't even i i never remember saying that it was just so nonchalant for me i guess that i just did not 
Like I legitimately was like, I said that. Wow. You are not as a p- big a piece of shit as you think you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's legitimately what popped into my mind when you said, it. I was like, wow, I said that. I mean, it would take a lot more effort, you know, for me. Cause like, if you're, if you had trouble with academia, like I know I had massive trouble with academia, like I academically, like I am terrible, terrible at studying. I am terrible at a lot of things. It doesn't mean I'm, you know, unintelligent and I don't have the ability to get those resources, but if I had to be a doctor in your stead, man, holy fuck, what would my work be cut out for me? Holy <laughs> shit. I think it was in Miss Boyle's class. It was like junior year or something like that. Did, did you have Miss Boyle? Yeah. It was then. Yeah, it was then. It was then. <laughs> yep. Damn. <laughs> well, I'm glad I said it. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking. And please you. don't no, die so I don't die. have to become a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I will do it, but I'll fucking hate. I'll, I'll, I'll hate suffering because I will be so bad at it first. <laughs> so bad. Uh huh. I uh, promise I won't die um, anytime soon. Okay, so. good. <laughs> oh, I feel relieved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This was a good talk, dude. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on. I really do. Of course. Thanks for having me, man. And thanks for giving me the tips about like my own podcast. <laughs> that I oh, the, yeah. The questions I had Speaking about of yeah. which, uh, tell us about this idea that you were having i don't well i mean you don't have to say it if you're like if it's still an idea that's forming and you don't know but if you're if you're in a commit here's the time to to promote i guess all right yeah sure uh all right um well coming soon to a streaming platform near you uh near you or whatever within your own uh grasp (laughs) whatever anyway is a uh sports podcast called lay court my last name is lay so michael lay my uh, co-host name is Cortland Oates, so Lake Court's a play on, on words, the court. Anyway, yeah, we're dumb, but anyway, it's a general sports <laughs> podcast. Um, and the gist of it is that we're just you know talking about sports. We're bringing on people who have no like interest or no no like professional background in sports, but just like a a burning passion. You know, um, you don't have to be a sports pundit. You don't have to be like a uh, you know you don't. <laughs> You don't even have to know what you're talking about, but if you love sports and come on the show, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so this is an idea that's, um, that I had coming, um, off of quarantine. Uh, we recorded like one episode, we scheduled a recording for a second, but we're in the editing phase, editing and uploading phase. So that's where we're at. So hopefully within the next like couple of weeks, I'll be able to put it out there. Awesome. Well, I know I'm looking forward to it, even though I know nothing about sports, I will, <laughs> play it in the background and hopefully absorb something um but i make you no might promises. not the first episode will bore the fuck out of you <laughs> I, I know it i'll be confused that'll that'll leave me i'll be confused i won't be bored i'll be confused because i'll be like what is sport it's very cringy too like uh our first recording was really really rough <laughs> you're fine my first recording for this thing was rough it was literally me sitting in a car being like i miss people <laughs> and here's why <laughs> look at this look at this pandemic like you know <laughs> bringing about this change in people it should if there should be a silver lining it should be that people care about each other more i think that's a good one to have yeah and on that note who would have thought who would have thought look (laughs) at us huh not me not me (laughs) (laughs) and i am now paul rudd pouring hot sauce on the hot ones um okay i think that's a good way to end the show 
I agree. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Have My a good pleasure. night. You too, man. I hope you all enjoyed hearing us talk. You can support The Spoken Mist by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends and family. If you want to send your own questions to discuss something either of us said or come on the show, send me an email at thespokenmisc at gmail.com. Or you can send me a message on social media at thespokenmisc or to yours truly at FrannyAA on everything. Follow the show on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thespokenmisc and ask to join our Discord server. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you on the next show.